When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, yeah, so here we are. We made it to the season one finale. Can you believe finale. it? Finale. Finale. Season one. It's been a journey. (laughs) It really has been a journey. And this episode is so like unsatisfying at the end because there's so many cliffhangers. You're just just left with that feeling of emptiness. Yes. (laughs) And I hate it. True. So it's not even like, oh, yay, a satisfying season finale because you're just left with more questions than when you started the show. I don't even. Oh, man. Jeez. But luckily, we have season two, so we don't have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> but God damn it. I remember watching this and being like, what? Yeah, me too. What? I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Without context, that last scene was <sighs> so frustrating. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh, oh yes. It, sh- it sure is. <laughs> and yeah. leave it to Elliot to write this episode. Yeah, no, this is this uh, episode 10, Witch Bomb, is the OG crew. It's written by Elliot and directed by Steven. So the pilot peeps are back. Yeah. So are we really surprised? <laughs> no, we're no, not. No, we're not. <laughs> That's your first clue that this is going to be wild. Not much surprises us about this show anymore. No, to be quite honest with you. But uh, of course it starts off. It kind of does start off like the pilot where it's like, a spree message at a rando place. So we're bookended starts by the spree. Yeah. Well played spree. Yeah. So this opening scene is in Lynn, Massachusetts. So we're kind of nearby Fort Salem, I guess. And it's nighttime. And there's a bunch of women playing soccer, which I appreciate watching. Me too. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Elliot. Yeah. It's almost like he knows his audience. Yeah. Gonna say it's almost like you know your audience or something. So it's the gayest sport ever for those that don't know. So thank you. And the crowd, of course, is cheering because they're all into it. And while this game is happening, there's like one, of course, there's one player being creepy as fuck on the sidelines. What is she doing? I don't know. She's just why did no one notice? Because somebody scored a goal at that time and everybody's celebrating the goal. So nobody's looking at creepy girl with a faraway look staring at God. But she was always a spree agent. So, you know, she was always standing over there creepily. It's true. It's true. Because they're bad spies. Like she's the one on the like that's new to the team that everyone thinks is super weird. Yeah. And they're like, do you even know how to play soccer? We've never, Mm -hmm. (laughs) never seen you touch the ball. Exactly. So, yeah, that's this girl. No one questions her at all but 
then it gets weirder because like obviously the spree bumblebee song starts playing and this creepy girl just decides to run like did they sub her in she just like i'm gonna go on the field yeah she just ran on the field yeah no one's (laughs) no one questions this she literally runs to the center and grabs the ball whispers to it and then kicks it up in the air which if you don't play soccer that's not how you play soccer no it's not at all (laughs) no what is this and of course it pops but then Unlike all the other spree scenes that we've seen, when the balloon pops, nobody dies. It just goes dead quiet. And then creepy girl walks off the field and says to a living crowd of people, we are the spree. So something different's happening here. And after she gives that line, the crowd starts chanting in unison, our ancient enemy has returned over and over and over again. And that's the opening scene. And so where have we heard Ancient Enemy before? Maybe the pilot when Sarah Alder was giving her rah-rah speech to the cadets about Ancient Enemies. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here we are, guys. They back. Uh, yeah. Remember when Sarah Alder was also denying the fact that they could still exist? Yep. Guess what? Our Ancient Enemy has returned. The spree even knows. So it must yeah. be so obvious. And she's just like blinder alder. Yeah. Blinder alder over here. Blinder alder. I like that. (laughs) And blinder alder. Basically, Elliot kind of says that in After the Storm about alder, that she's just so, because alder, I guess, thought that they, that she like got rid of them, wiped them off the face of the earth kind of thing. And so she was so convinced that that was successful that she just missed all of the signs. But the spree, the spree noticed, you know, the worst spies ever. So it's pretty bad when the spree is dry snitching, you know? It's just, that's bad. It's bad when they have to take over an entire women's soccer game to get their message across. I know. We didn't get to see the end of that game. So, whatever. Yeah, we don't know who wins. We don't know who wins. To be fair, we don't even know who the teams are. And to be fair, I don't care. I would just <laughs> yeah, like more either. women's soccer, please. <laughs> true, true, true that. But the ancient enemy ruined the game. Yeah. Fuckers. People are going to argue with you about that whole gayest sport ever, though. Hmm. It's. Uh, have you seen women's soccer? Like, Somebody's going to come in hard and say it's golf. Hmm women's soccer you can argue with me all you want i will let's let's talk about that message me she'll double down i will yeah so after the creepiness we cut to the unit who i guess knows about the creepiness because the spree did something so it's probably all over the news channel singular that exists in this world so they're in the barracks i think it's all three of them and tally is like commenting on the warning and she's going like what ancient enemy we had so many And so this is highlighting that even in this world where witches are powerful and have a purpose as like these fighters or whatever, they still have always had enemies just like, you know, quote unquote witches in our world did. And even Rao comments, she's like, pick your pick. We've had many, many, many. And they, they name a couple. I think they said like the church at some point, other ones get tossed out there, but that's the most obvious. So that's why some people are so freaked out by rails. Like, christian chanting because the church was always an enemy and so they they can't keep talking about this and then eventually they change the subject about what today is because they're all kind of getting like dressed in the background and today's their graduation day and they comment that like 
you know, it wasn't fair or easy for them, but they made it through together. And so that's like the big growth of the unit is that they started out this whole journey as like these individuals, but even by the end through all the crazy crap that has happened to them, they, they're solidifying their bonds to each other. And Abigail, this is the beginning of Abigail tossing in affectionate shitbirds at Rael. So like the first one happens here and the unit Mm -hmm. just kind of all holds hands and they're like, I know the world's crazy, but you know, today's our day. We made it through basics and we did it together. Literal rah-rah sisterhood. Yeah, literally. They can't catch a break. Well, they can't, and it's about to be graduation time. Mm -hmm. But Alder's got to give a speech first, of course, because it's Alder. Uh, So she's got everybody back in that auditorium uh, stomping as she talks about graduation and how this is the beginning of blah, blah, blah. Some of you will place at war college. Some of you will go to the front lines. Uh, And she tells them that when they go outside, the ninth bell will reveal their fates. Like, this is interesting. So what is it like nine o'clock? No, I think so. I was thinking about that. I think it's just the ninth consecutive toll. I don't think it has to do with the the time. So I kind of looked into this. I was like, that's really weird that that's the thing that's because like the bells start ringing as she finishes this speech. So I'm like, what do they have like 10 seconds to get out of this building? It's super weird. But basically, I think that it's foreshadowing again, because bells, um, bells ringing symbolically usually mean like, I think this means like a death knell is what it's called. So it's like signaling like deaths to come. And then number nine symbolizes like the energy of both an ending and new beginning. So she, she says that in her speech, like this is just the beginning. So I think that that's the symbolism here for why they're doing this with like the ninth bell toll. But I don't know if it has to do with the time of day, although it's, it's definitely like morning. So maybe it's, nine o'clock and that's why there's nine but there's never like bells do bells normally toll no, i never say wait I- yeah actually i think maybe but here's the, here's the thing is it really a bell because every time we've heard any kind of bell like thing it's been a witch walking around exactly so i think this is more like are these real bells that's my question i don't know i've I, from all the aerial shots of fort salem i never seen like a bell tower and I highly doubt they have a church because they're like pagans. They could have a temple. Yeah, but I I don't remember seeing a bell tower. Me either. You know, so maybe it is a witch doing it. So that's why I don't think it has to do with the time of day. I think this is more like a symbolic nine, like for their their like culture or whatever. Don't ask me why, but I really wanted it to be real bells. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like that girl doing the bell toll in the pilot. Wong, yeah, wong. that was more like a gong sound. Yeah, it was yeah. like a between a bell and a gong. Yeah. So who knows? Because we saw no bells. Eh. But uh, uh, bells, bellwethers, bells. But so. Alder's, Alder's saying this is just the beginning in that speech was just so much foreboding in that line. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Yeah. Hmm. But damn. So everybody's standing outside 
I don't know how they got out there so fast, but that's they what did. I mean. <laughs> yeah, like it's so we had a bottleneck to get. Out the <laughs> yeah, they're like running everybody. Like <laughs> God, wait, it's bell number eight. Shit, <laughs> so, so weird. Someone used work to widen the doorways. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so they all get outside before the ninth bell, and they're all standing in a group, staring at their medals, because we know those magically change. And then we, we get like a shot of Mama Bellwether looking proud. It's like, this is the day my daughter's going to go to war college. And then the unit, the ninth bell tolls and the unit is looking at their medals. Everybody's like excited and most people around them are, you know, like throwing the hats in the air and crap. And they're like just staring at their medals with these looks on their faces and you know. You know what has happened. And we get another shot of Petra looking some anger. She's looking some anger. So the unit is not going to war college. They're going to the front line because their medals say combat infantry. And I just want to note, Rael is wearing her she's, she's wearing like, She's wearing her battle charm. So like, oh, for two with this battle charm. Yeah. <laughs> Did not oh protect her. Two. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but like, also my question is literally everybody else in this group is celebrating. Are they the only ones not going to war if college? If you look at the back, there are people in the back who are not celebrating. Okay. Because I was going to say how, because the whole point was to get more soldiers out there quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it was the the people that are directly around them were celebrating because they wanted that to be the shot. Right, because of drama. <laughs> yeah, because of drama and also probably because they were the people that are more higher up in the hierarchy yeah. or whatever. True. So I think that's what that was about. And now um, now we're going to see some them try not to be war meat. I know, but how, de- like, how devastating. Mm. It's kind of like, not to pull this reference, but it's kind of like a match day with, like... Oh, so, God, yeah. So for, for people, people going through medical training... And like of any sort, there's always a day where you find out whether or not you're going to be a resident. And I went through this, too, for pharmacy school. And it's like everybody finds out on the same day. So it's like the people that are going like to move on with their career find out. And then the people who don't make it all find out the same day. So it's this really awkward like day for everybody. So that's kind of what this is. It's like, yay, we're, you know, Glory's like, yay, we're moving on. And then. Your best friend is not, and it's, like, very awkward. So I love that they had that interaction with Glory and Tally where she's Mm -hmm. like, oh. Because, like, you don't know how to communicate. It sucks so bad because you're just – you've just been separated by this choice somebody else made for where your life's going to go. It's very awkward, and this is a real thing that happens. It sucks so bad. Yes. But, yeah. Because, like, you just see the devastation on the unit's face and, like – yeah, Glory's like, oh, I was happy two seconds ago. Now I can't be. Yeah, it's it sucks. As somebody who's been in that position, it sucks. <sighs> Rael, uh, I love Rael's like, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, like poor Rael. Again, Elliot loves torturing Rael because Rael's mindset going into the army was like, this is what happened to my mom. This is what's going to happen to me. Whatever. Let's get this over with. And then she got hopeful 
along yeah. this journey and then her hope was just crushed in this scene so it's basically like oh my god i tried and look what happened yeah i don't why should i try exactly yeah. like poor rail it just like reinforced all like the negative stuff she thought anyway so it's yeah, very ugh. Uh, yeah just think back to all the like when she actually started to believe in herself a little bit yeah just a little bit and now it's all gone i know it sucks like i feel like it hits her the hardest to be honest because abigail's like wtf and tally's like uh shit but like for real this was just like reinforcing all the negative stuff and yeah yeah and abigail's just more in the the line of uh this isn't happening kind of i think at first so yeah totally I agree. Oh. Yeah. Abigail and Tally don't know how to handle this, but Rail was like, fuck it, I knew it. It sucks. Uh-huh. But um speaking of being tortured. <laughs> oh boy. We go to the blue light and uh we have Scylla completely on her bullshit, conducting the bell song with her hands. Like Good Lord. I think she's losing her mind at this the point. Sass on that ass. <laughs> Seriously, like, how long has she been in this dungeon by herself? Does she not have like sores from sitting on that chair for that long? That's what I I'm mm. honestly concerned about. That like, yeah, I she has to have she has to have some kind of sores from just sitting. That's what happens IRL. So this poor mm-hmm. woman. So she's obviously losing her mind. And so she's conducting. And Anacostia rolls in like, oh, God, girl, you losing your damn mind. And <laughs> Scylla's like, what's the graduation bells? Like they're one step closer to dying for the cause. Because, yeah, that's kind of it's a death toll. Like it's a death toll. That's what this bell is. And that's and Scylla gets that. <clears throat> and I want to note that Scylla's face looks much less grimy. Like did Anacostia let her clean up a little bit? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they have to let her go to the bathroom, so. I would hope. We don't know. <laughs> I would hope. But yeah, she, her face looks like grimy, so just, I think Anacostia is like softening and was like, here, girl, here's a towel, like, clean your face. Yeah. I can't look at it anymore. Clean yeah. It <laughs> it's for me, not you. <laughs> and Anacostia just seems out of sorts a little. She's like exhausted and kind of agitated and like she's just over everything and she's here with this girl losing her damn mind. And she's like, listen, girl, I let you see Rael. Give me what I want. We we had a deal. And Scylla does what she does best, which is dodges the question. Off she skate? Yeah. She's like, she dodges the question. She's like, well, why am I still here? Like, you want to see if I'm human? Like, girl, you know that we linked. I think there's some other reason you're keeping me here. And Scylla acts in the scene like she has all the power, uh, what, once again, because that's just her big witch energy, she, despite the fact that she's the one shackled to a chair and is covered in dirt. But <laughs> Anacostia just looks super annoyed and just exacerbated. Like, she, like there's a lot weighing on her, and she's, in, like, I don't think graduation is helping Anacostia any. I think she's just on edge in general. And so she just kind of, like, sits down in front of Scylla. Now there's two chairs, I guess. Almost like Anacostia keeps coming back and had that chair for her there. Just throwing that out there. And she's like, I don't know, Scylla. What is the something I'm keeping from you? Just just to tell me. You seem to know everything. And Scylla says what we're all thinking. And she's like, listen, I think that you're coming to the realization that if I am human, then the other people in the spree are also human. And we just might have our reasons for doing what we're doing. And life is not so simple as like good versus evil, which is what you want this all to be. And that's so true. And I think that's true for a lot of people in the army who are like viewing the, you know, when they look at the spree and 
you know, Anacostia is a little bit in like denial land about all of this. I think she's coming to that realization, like Scylla is saying, but she's not quite there yet. So she kind of like laughs it off, almost like Scylla, you're going crazy. Obviously, you would say something crazy right now. But Scylla has a point. And Anacostia just kind of like lashes out and is like, yeah, whatever, girl, you're you're ignorant. What the hell do you know? And then Scylla says, if only you could hold on to your pathetic story of good versus evil. And like, yes, queen, like this is what Elliot is trying to drive home here about, especially because going forward, we're going to meet other members of the spree that are more important than the ones we've seen so far, because the spree in this whole world, it's much more complicated than this like Disney fairy tale brand of good versus evil. And we come to learn about Anacostia in like a couple of scenes later that like Anacostia, like her upbringing was very like black and white, like good versus evil rules versus breaking the rules kind of thing. And so you have this like rule, this very stringent rule follower, Anacostia, who's dipping her toe into the moral gray pretty much. And like Scylla is trying to help her into that by like being like, hey, like, come on, I know you see it. Like, let go of this black and white kind of stuff, like come into the gray girl, like it's much more complicated than you want it to be. And Anacostia, I just think right now in this scene is just not ready to kind of deal with that. She's like, this is a mistake. Like I got to get out of here. And, but Scylla keeps persisting. Like she's determined to break through to Anacostia and like open up her eyes. So this is a little bit of like, cause I don't think Scylla really has much to gain from this. It's almost like her version of empathy slash helping Anacostia. Who's kind of helping her. And she's like, listen, Anacostia, like, you're not a child. You're a grown-ass woman. And even more importantly, like, you're a witch. And I think she's trying to, like, show her, like, hey, like, you have stake in this game, too. Like, the ancient enemy, like, all these people, like, they're coming after you, too, because you're a witch, regardless of what side you're taking. So at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter. Like, and I think this is a kind of a commentary thing about how whenever you have people in power or trying to gain power... They do the old Roman strategy, which is like the divide and conquer kind of thing. And so right now you have this in this world, you have witches that are fractioning off into different groups, right? You have you have the Hague, which kind of keeps like the military people kind of on the same side ish. We see that that's not always the case with all they're just doing whatever she wants and China and Russia doing their own thing. But beyond that, you have you know, the the Dodgers who are trying to just stay out of this. And then you have the Spree, who's like, fuck all of this, let's burn it to the ground. So you have the witches aren't united as a group of witches, but then you have other people in the world, like quote unquote ancient enemies, who just see them all as witches and they're all evil regardless of their motivation and what they're doing. And I think that's what Scylla is trying to like hit home. It's like, it, you're a witch, people are just viewing you as a witch regardless of what you do. Like, it's an us versus them thing. And that's what Scylla said to Alder when they first met. Like, there's only one battle at the end of the day, us versus them. And I think she's trying to get Anacostia to kind of see that bigger picture but Anacostia's just not in the mindset to accept this so she's like you're the one that's lost Scylla not me like just stop it but Scylla stays very calm here like and I I think she gets that it kind of takes time for some people to come to this realization because you know Scylla was brought up in the environment of like the us versus them witches versus non-witches as a dodger and kind of always hiding so she's like keep fighting it you know at the end of the day the truth always wins which I get what she's trying to say, but this is also like a very naive statement when she's trying to be like super wise to Anacostia mm-hmm. because 
it's not necessarily the truth that wins. It's like the victor's version of the truth is what ends up prevailing. But Anacostia is very ripe for this line and this triggers her because deep, deep down Anacostia knows Scylla has a point, but she just can't accept it yet. And so she just gets in Scylla's face and scream, starts starts to scream like, you know, nothing, but like gets a grip halfway through the word nothing and like stops herself. And I think Scylla's a little surprised at the outlash, but her Are face. You, really? I think, I think that she was like savoring it. No, I think she's like surprised she like triggered her that quickly, but like then she savors it because she's like her tactic worked. And she's like, Anacostia's like, you know, you know nothing about me, whatever. But there's like no conviction behind the statement from Anacostia because I, I think this is starting to like, Anacostia's starting to like come to the realization here. And then she tries to like mic drop and leave, but it's pretty a sad mic drop. And yeah, <laughs> Scylla's just left all satisfied in herself. Yeah, she is like a happy little duck sitting there having a uh, triggered Anacostia. I think that whole thing was not just to me. It was not just her trying to get through, but also her enjoying the game a little bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, Scylla has, she acts like she has all the power in this situation. Yeah, and I think that that's the only thing that's really been getting her through being locked in this damn cage for however long she's been there. For real. I mean, I would go a little bit insane too because the only people she's seeing we think are Anacostia and like maybe Isadora. Maybe. Isadora. She's been in there. Yeah. So, uh, Scylla, you left incomplete notes on this, and I need you. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That yeah. <laughs> Tell me about this mushroom. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think she's definitely enjoying it to a certain degree, um, because this is all she has. She's yeah, just, it is. you know, trapped in this cell. And I think part of it, too, is that what Scylla's clinging to is, I was right. Like, that's why her line about like, well, the truth always wins. The truth is on my side kind of thing. It's like the true believer thing where she's like, well, I'm right at the end of the day and you're wrong. So I have the moral high ground in my eyes, which, you know, I think that's Girl, you also like 19. There's just. Yeah, no, totally. She's, she's Mm. 19. She's a baby. A little baby. She's a little baby. But uh, Anacostia uh, uh, does need to see the moral gray because Anacostia is in it and doesn't know how to deal with it. It's kind of like Tally, where Tally grew up in the matrifocal compound. She grew up very um, sheltered and she's also being tossed in the moral gray and trying to figure out how to handle Mm. it. So her and Anacostia are kind of both similar in that regard. And in this like journey, they're both kind of going down. I don't think that Anacostia having grown up how she does has the innocence of that tally does but she does have the uh inexperience with the more gray side of things right so exactly because it's like i know how to follow the rules this is this this is against the rules like going to see Scylla is against the rules Mm -hmm. but she's still doing it because i feel like she has this gut feeling that like this is right even though the rules tell me it's wrong and I think that's where, that's what I mean. Like she's fighting against like right versus wrong in the sense of right. rule, like rules versus rule breaking kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But she's conscious she's doing it, which I think is different than 
Tally. Oh, absolutely. Tally's just like, what the fuck is happening? She's lost in the sauce. And Anacostia yeah. is very deliberately yeah. thinking through these things. And also, she just saw her mentor break the rules in a huge way. Exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So, like, Anacostia is consciously dipping her toe into the moral gray mm-hmm. versus, like, Tally, who was, like, shoved into it's much it. much more self-aware than Tally is. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> She's self-aware of what's happening, but she's not self-aware enough at this particular no. point to be like, yes, that's what I'm doing and admit it to mm-hmm. Scylla. Even though Scylla's like, girl, I see you. Yeah. So I see you, girl. I see you, girl. It's you okay. Can- you in denial right now, but you're going to get there. Yeah. She's like, you got your own chair in my cell. Obviously, yeah. something's going on here. Well, she hopes that Anacostia will get. I mean, I think at this point, Scylla really does think, all right, this is all I got. I guess I'm going to prison and to rot and die. Yeah, she's like, but at least I have a f- someone talking to me, so I don't yeah. go completely nuts with these. Someone bells. that knows Rael and sees her, so at least there's, you know, yeah, some tether to the world, I guess. But anyway, so then we leave Scylla in the cell, being satisfied, and we go to the unit back in Cersei, just upset, understandably, in their room, and Abigail is just like pacing. Rael just again is being like. I knew I was fucked. Now I, they all just got Avenue F. Let's put it that way. They did. They got <laughs> Avenue F to the extreme. Yeah. Extremely Avenue F. Like there is no Avenue F anymore. That's how F they are. Alder blew up Avenue F. Alder nuked Avenue F. <laughs> <laughs> and Abigail's like, this has never happened in American freaking history before. <laughs> I love that line. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Cause again, like she's right. This, this has never happened. And I think that's such a, an important line because where we're introduced to this whole world, like a lot of things are happening that have literally never happened before in American freaking history. Like Abigail's saying that like a bellwether not getting into war college. That's true. But like all this stuff with like the ancient enemy returning the spree, like a lot of things that we've seen are just have never happened before. So I do love that line. And I think it's, it's significant because again, Abigail's been playing the bellwether playbook from the past, but it's like, you can't rely on the past right now because so many things are different. Yeah, things are up in the air. Exactly. You have to kind of like forge your own path versus being like, well, this is what Jem did or this is what Petra did. So you got to throw that playbook out the window because all this change is happening so fast that the playbook is almost useless. Like dodging all the hits. Yeah, totally. And yeah, so Abigail's obviously freaking out and they're like, Tally and Abigail are just like, yeah, are we tired? Tally and Rail are just like, yeah, this has never happened to a bellwether. Like we get it. Like. Like, shut up, Abigail. Like, we're all fucked. Because poor Rael, it just, like, I hate it so much because, like, all her hope has just been shattered. Um, This poor girl. Because, you know, hope is a thing with feathers. It's very fragile. And poor Rael just had it crushed. And Abigail finally gets out of her own emotions and, like, gets the collective brain cell and is like, what if Alder did this? Because, again, this is weird. This has never happened before. So somebody powerful had to do this to us. What if it was Alder? And they kind of talk about it, you know, well, they're like, well, we told Petra. So, and and Alder puppeted the president. So maybe she got Wade's memories and saw that we did this. So I guess like puppeting kind of works like linking where they get memories. Maybe? I imagine you have to link to puppet. <laughs> yeah, but I just found that interesting that they, they still get the memory component mm-hmm. too. So maybe... 
that's what's happening. But I'm pretty sure Alder know, knows about the coup at this point. Oh, yeah. And, like, she knows what went down. I don't know if this was a She's puppeting. not stupid. She hasn't no. been in power for 327 years. Because... Right. <sighs> yeah, anyway. I mean, it was really simple. There were a finite amount of people who knew about what went on. Yeah, totally. And those were the people who are linked to Petra, who's linked to the coup. So right, that's what that's. I'm with you. I think that's the more logical way Alder figured yeah. this out versus like getting memories from Wade. Yeah, I think but, logic dictates that it was just logic that led her to who did it. Right, exactly. But I thought that was an interesting tidbit because we don't really learn a lot about the puppeting other than it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So interesting that it memories gets exchanged potentially. Anyway, they're lamenting about the fact that they're war meat. And then some underling comes to the door and is like, Alder wants to talk to all of you right oh, now. joy. I know. Anytime any of these underlings come to the door, it's never good. It's like going to the infirmary. No, it's either Petra or Alder. Yeah. Okay. So I saw this woman and I'm like, she keeps showing up. I think she's Petra's assistant. But then when she was like, Alder wants to see you, I'm like, I think she's just the office assistant for the yeah. generals. This poor girl has probably run so much all over this entire military base. Right? Yeah. <laughs> She's the one that goes on the coffee runs and all that stuff. She's like, the most fit person there. Yes. She's the like they had to they had to get a, somebody who ran cross country in that role. They got the best cadet that like accelerated at flying ladies running lessons. Exactly. And they're like, you're gonna be a great assistant one day. <laughs> yeah guess what <laughs> and she was like all happy at first going oh my goodness i get this really great position in the general's office i'm not warm me bitch yeah. <laughs> she's like i wish i was on the front lines doing yeah. this shit <laughs> that poor assistant i know it's so bad for her <laughs> me too uh see so here, here's the other thing does she walk back on her or she run back on her own I guess. They go. Right. I don't think she ex- es- escorts them. I think she's like, <laughs> no. I gotta run back and go get the teapot from Isadora. And then. Yeah. <laughs> before she's you like, get there. <laughs> she's running off to another errand. Right. <laughs> while the, the eunuch goes up to Alder's office. And in Alder's office is not just Alder. We've got a Dylan Kalita. So there's a slight clue of what's about to go on. And Alder informs him that uh, Kalita requested that, except Kalita stops her and says, insisted. Because Kalita's <laughs> got to like throw her little big witch energy out there. Dude, I laughed literally for 60 seconds. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Her big witch energy cannot be measured. It's so no. ginormous. The way that Alder's face just goes, oh. I know her side eye too. It's just like, yeah, must you, Kalina? Must yeah, you? Must you? So she repeats, insisted that they come on the mission to rescue the Tareem due to Rael healing Kalita of the witch plague. Because so that's is, the only person that's been able to do that. Yeah. So this is where I wonder, like, coup aside, if Alder did this move with taking them out of war college, because again, she's so desperate to get the Tareem that she's like, okay, if this, these are Kalita's terms, I have to give her this. I can give her this. Well, couldn't she take them out of war college anyway? 
Well, I don't she's know. Older. Can, can you deploy people in war college? I think that she's older. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. I mean, that is what she is, in fact, doing. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that was part of this take them out of war college. It could have been part of it. But I think the main part of it was to be like, listen, this is who's in charge. You're going to the I don't know if she actually intended for them to actually go to the front lines. That's my question. Did she really just want to throw them out there or and for them to die and that's whatever secret to die with? I don't die with them because some other people know, but I don't think so. Because if if she has to think of this, I mean, I know she's desperate to get the terrain, but if Kalita is telling her that, hey, Rael is the one that saved me, not anybody else. I think that has to click with Alder that, okay, this fixer is unique Mm -hmm. and uniquely powerful. So I need to keep her close to me. I think that's part of it too. Like Rael's an asset in some way, shape or form. She has to be with me. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it too. She's like taking them out of war college to keep them close to her potentially too, because that would strategically make sense for Alder to do. So I don't think it's more so like, Hey, go die in the front lines. She's like, Hey, I got to go to the front lines. You're coming with me kind of thing. Maybe, but also, Tally could be the new office assistant afterwards. Hey, she could be. (laughs) Tally would still be up for that. She would. You know, she would. Mm -hmm. Well, not at this point, because right now she's kind of like questioning. By the end of this, but also like Tally would be a great office assistant because she can anticipate your needs because she knows things. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, think about that. Mm. Yes, think about that. I think some people have. (laughs) Listen, I'm here for all the ships on the show. Me too. Me well, okay. I'm not here for Tally and Garrett. I'm sorry. Okay, no, no. I meant the sapphic ships. All the sapphic ships. We will sail. Yes. But uh, anyway, sorry. Anyway, so Kalita says that she's coming too, but Adil argues with her. She's the last of a powerful line, which all of them are, but hey, whatevs. But she's different. Yeah, but also, I thought that was interesting, too, because, like, even we're even at the end. I mean, it's obvious we're at the end of the Tareem, but even somebody like Kalita, who's just so unique, Mm -hmm. unique in this world, is like, it's the last. She's the last one, too. So it's like, it's like, quote unquote, the end, is it not? Like, yep, it's the end. It's the end. Yeah. Um, He talks her down in mother tongue and uh, basically says, don't let Alder be right about you right in front of Alder. So <laughs> they're just giving Alder so much yeah, shade. They and they, are. And I love that they're like, okay, they switched the mother tongue, but like Alder knows what the fuck they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it doesn't shield Alder at all from all the shade. I love it. Not at all. No. Alder's so just funny. sitting there like, this girl. I know, and she can't say anything because she needs them. She's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I have to put up with this for how much longer? I know, Alder's <laughs> seething in this scene. It's it's a hilarious scene. If you don't remember it, go back and watch it. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. But, like, watch any scene where Alder and Kalita are in it together. Oh my God, really so good. <laughs> this one in particular is really fucking funny. Because yeah, really even Adil is. is giving her shade. Yeah. Dude, she can hear you. I know, that's the she's <laughs> one foot to the right of Kalina. Like, so I really would have loved another like angle so we could see Alder's face, Alder's face. at that moment. I know. God 
damn it. If that is on the cutting room floor, we want it. It's so I know, Elliot, this is a request. We have Steven. a lot of requests, but this is a simple one. Yeah, give us Alder's face in this scene. I want it. Yeah. Uh, so she informs him that they're going to leave in the morning. Where are they leaving that day? Why no, is my brain? I wrote 1300, girl. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, well, I didn't remember that. For some reason, I wrote in the morning. What is wrong with me? Don't, don't answer that. No, I think this, it's just like we're leaving today. Which makes sense considering go. what Rael says in the next sentence. Exactly. Or the next sentence, the next freaking scene. The next scene. Yeah, totally. But I just want to say the one last thing that uh, I, I love that Adil's line to Kalita. He's like, hey, don't let her, her meaning Sarah Alda, be right about you being so freaking mm-hmm. arrogant. Take it down a notch, Kalita. But like, again, in that respect, Kalita and Alder have similarities. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're both Kalita's so, mini Alder. She and that's- is. <laughs> no, I, and I don't mean that in any kind of like bad, negative way. I think yeah, no. positionally in their cultures, they're very yeah, similar because they're at the exactly. top of the food chain and nobody comes close to them in terms of power and like challenging them. So like they can be arrogant because like they have no equal, so to speak. Right. So. Well, that kind of environment or that kind of position slash environment breeds arrogance. So. Exactly. Totally. And so I find that also interesting. So from a cultural, they're culturally similar, even though they can't see it. Like these two mm-hmm. witch groups is kind of the thing there. So I love it. And yeah, so Rael in the next scene lets it drop to poor Papa Collar that she's getting deployed like right the fuck now. His also, face. Also, side note: What the hell was he doing? I know. When she, when she I think okay, this is what was Isidore doing on screen moment. So he was in a gr- like when Rael the scene starts. Rael comes from the office, so like okay, keep in mind timeline wise, they had the bell ceremony, which maybe was nine a.m. We don't know. Then. The unit went and, like, cried in their, their dorm room. Then they went to Alder's office. So, like, all this time passed before Rael sees her dad again, who was there when Alder was giving the initial speech about, hey, the bells. So, like, Papa Collar's been there this whole time, and then this whole time has elapsed before they're reunited again. So he was doing something. He was at some reception for the parents and yeah. awkwardly standing in the corner eating a cracker and cheese. I think that was part of it. But I think... He also went on a tour of Fort Salem at some point oh because goodness. because his his comment to her is like, she's like, how are you doing? And he's like, old buildings or old buildings. So I think mm-hmm. he went on some tour. But who gave the tour? So Uh-oh. <laughs> I think Isadora gave the tour <laughs> because, again, all the generals were doing war stuff. She wasn't in the war office. She knows Fort Salem very well. So I think Isadora got roped into giving this tour and she was like, uh... I think his line, old buildings are old buildings, come from Isadora, who really doesn't know anything aside from the Necro Lab. So any building, she's like, you know, this is a a building that's, <laughs> that's been here for a long time. Some time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Papa is like, he doesn't know any better because he's not a witch because he knows no history about this place. And he's like, cool. Who is this woman? <laughs> and so Isadora's like, great. You saw the buildings. Here's the crackers and the cheese. Enjoy. I'm going to go do stuff with dead things. And like she pieces out and that was the tour. So really Papa Collar has nothing to take away from this tour other than like these buildings are old. And that's what he tells Rail. Unless you want a healing lesson. 
Well, yeah, and, and no one wants a healing lesson from Isadora. So no. she she witch my drops to go to the Necro Lab to talk to Scylla in the dungeon because she's like, hey, I need I need you to read something for me. Mm-hmm. So that's what Isadora was doing this episode. And so Papa Collar obviously is confused about Fort Salem because of this tour with Isadora. And he's like, you know, I'm just glad to see you, Rail. And I'm happy to see you're wearing the battle charm, even though it didn't help you get out of being deployed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I love that. And Rael obviously gives the comment of like, well, I'm definitely going to need it because I'm getting deployed today. And poor Papa Collar. So his face, he does this journey of like being scared, shocked, and pissed off Mm -hmm. all at once. But the emotion that never crosses his face is surprise. It's almost like he was in the same boat uh, as Rael of like knowing what conscription meant to Rael Collar it's that she was going to follow Willa Collar's footsteps and mm-hmm. be deployed immediately because this is the same shit the army pulled with Willa. And so he doesn't look surprised. He just looks like terrified and scared that this is, you know, that time has finally come kind of thing. And, you know, Rail says, you know, you know, I didn't get into war college and, and Papa says, you know, neither did your mom. It's okay. And, and, you know, it's, it's such a contrast from, like, the way Petra reacts to, like, Abigail not getting into war college. Because, like, again, he's very supportive. It's not like he's any less proud of Rail for not getting into war college. But, you know, he, he forces the smile with her. Like, hey, you know, I'm still proud of you. But I think he's just so fucking worried for she's her. He's terrified. He's terrified. And in this comment here about comparing her to her mom rail gets willa collar triggered and starts toying with the battle charm and then she finally asks the thing she's wanted to ask her dad for a really long time and that's why didn't this charm work for mom like why didn't this keep her safe and i just before we get into the following lines after this i think the fact that rail is doing this so quickly is a growth thing for rail because I think Rael has come to this realization that like, hey, life is short. If I want something or if I if I'm with somebody, I need to say the things I need to say to them when I have the chance. So this is something that's been weighing on Rael since the pilot. She's like, I want it. You know, she told Tally, I wanted to ask my dad about the battle charm, but like I didn't want to hurt him. And I think that's still true in this moment. But she's like, I may never see you again. So we got to get all this out now kind of thing. And I think that sticks with Rael like just forever going forward, like with people she loves and like saying things she needs to say right now. And so Papa Collar finally tells her the story about the battle charm in that he's like, well, Willa never brought it. She didn't bring it on her last tour. And he has this look on his face. Like he's annoyed by this, almost Mm -hmm. like him and Willa fought about this because think about it. Papa Collar had the battle charm and he knew he had to give it to Rael on Conscription Day. So like she, meaning Willa, had to leave that with him. So I think they fought about this because he comments later too. He's like, well, you know, your mama really wanted you to have this. So I think they had some conversation and they fought about it where ultimately Willa won. And she's like, I'm not bringing this. You're going to give this to Rael when she gets Mm -hmm. Conscription. When the time is right, you give her this, you give her, like she left all these breadcrumbs for like Rael. We come to see. So I don't think Papa was on board with this. He's like, I'd rather you come back alive and give it, you give it to yourself. But Willa's like, nope, you give it to her. And ultimately, this was the battle Willa never came back from. So Papa, I think, is mad about this, but it is what it is. And Rail's confused because I think she was either assumed something different or was told something different, which was 
I thought the Battle Charm came back with Mom's medal. And I don't know where she got that from. So I don't know if like her and her dad never really talked in detail about Willa's death or she was just led to believe this. I don't know. Kind of seems like they never talked about it. It's kind of seems like they never talk about a lot because that's just, I mean, it's awkward for one thing. And it, you know, Rael is not all about at the time before this is not all about, let's talk about all our feelings. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I, I don't know. I have a conspiracy theory about pop collar, but like, oh, yeah. do you think he knew? I think he knew. Because later, spoiler, mini spoiler, in season two, he says collars are really good about talking about what's on their mind. So I feel like Rael might be the one that didn't want to talk about it, but like he did. But it's almost like he knew too much. Like, like Willa had to tell him a lot of things before she left. So I don't know. I don't know how much he he knew and didn't know. Cause like, it's almost like she was like, she like gave him a will and is like, listen, you're going to have to do all these weird things soon. And not that I won't be here. I feel like he had to know, like, she was not coming back. So you think that he knew something, but that did, he didn't know what she was doing and where she was going or anything? Yeah, stuff. So I think so. I think so. And I think part of his reaction to Rail actually getting deployed was like, well, fuck, you weren't supposed to get deployed. Yeah. Because that mom was supposed okay. to save your ass. So... I don't know. The more I, I watch him in this scene, I was like, I think you knew more than we think, than we're led to believe that he kn- he knew kind of thing. I don't think he's so yes. like innocent to all this. Yeah. I think he's upset that things did not go according to plan and Rail is actually getting roped into all this army stuff. Hmm. But he's being the supportive one for his daughter kind of thing. Another question for Elliot. Maybe we will see that Maybe in season we'll three. Maybe we'll find out in season three. Yeah, but I think he knows more than people think he knows. Because he's been in this witch world for a long time. So, yeah, I think he knows stuff. But um, anyway, so they're talking about this. And, you know, Papa's like, you know, Mama gave me the gave me the 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 battle charm. She knew it's almost like she knew she wasn't coming back because, yeah, she fucking knew. And call back to the letter that Rael got in the pilot when she was in the infirmary, the suspicious one that came to her immediately Mm -hmm. where it was all about Willa's last mission. And she said in the letter, she felt doomed and all this stuff. So now Rail's getting confirmation that mom knew even before she was deployed that she wasn't coming back. And she gave me the battle charm. And then very conveniently, Papa's like, well, there's something else she wanted you to have right now at this time. So again, I think Willa left him a bunch of instructions and she pulls out, he pulls out this letter He's like, your mama wanted you to have this when you graduated. And Rael is so triggered at this point. She's just like mm-hmm. holding back tears when she takes it. And then they hug and say they love each other a bunch of times. Because again, this could be the last time Rael sees her dad. And I don't, she's not holding anything back with him. And she says probably something she's not supposed to say, which is like, I'll let you know when I get back from China. Like, girl, yeah. I don't think you're supposed to say that. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell him what you're being deployed to. <laughs> okay. I'm not crazy. Super top secret mission with Alder. <laughs> She's like, yeah, when I get back from my super top secret mission in China. In China. <laughs> <laughs> and Papa's like, listen, I don't care where the fuck you're going, but um, just wear the charm. Come back. And come back. Yeah. And then Rail does. 
the cheek cup with her dad, which is just this thing she does with people she loves where she touches their faces. And when she leaves, like she just like touches his face and then leaves, like being all stoic. And then Papa Collar, when she turns around, loses his shit. Like mm-hmm. that, and this is where like I started the conspiracy theory in my brain because I was like, he looks like I can't believe this is happening. Like this wasn't supposed to happen, kind of thing. Like the way he panics, Ugh, like it's it's heartbreaking. Regardless of what he does now, my conspiracy theory aside, like he looks very heartbroken that like, wow, it finally came to this with Rail. Like holy crap, what if she doesn't come back? Like it's very yeah it's it's either your theory or, or the way that she was communicating with him made him think that she might get into war college yeah no i i think the hope transferred into their conversations like you said like hey we're doing really well our unit's doing great we're the only ones that got the wind strike down mm-hmm. i think that maybe he got some hope too that oh maybe you won't go the fate of your mother and like here it, history is repeating itself in papa collar's eyes with like the two yep. collar women he loves and it's like ugh, again it's very sad it. or papa collar i know love papa collar favorite fave favorite man in the series yeah he's my favorite man in the series but he gets rights yes he does uh from one parent daughter conversation to the next a very different very different conversation (laughs) abigail's pissed she's like look we did this we did this stuff where we were involved in this coup and you were involved in this coup you did your thing we did our thing and now I'm going to go to the front lines, Ma. We got Avenue F, Mom. What the hell? Avenue F, and you were supposed to, like, this isn't supposed to happen. No, our coup's supposed to be good? What the? But Petra's, like, cool. She's, she's, she's sitting on some news. So she tells Abigail that she has pulled some strings to, because, you know, Petra has a lot of allies, obviously. And she's gotten Abigail into war college. And she's already moving her stuff out of the Cersei barracks, but it's just Abigail. Wait, it's that assistant. That's what the assistant's doing. (laughs) Oh my God. Now we know. Yeah. She's removing Abigail. She's getting boxes to get Abigail's shit out of the room. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. She took the intern too. Um, (laughs) uh, But Abigail points out that uh, Tally and Rail are the last of their lines too. And Petra is like, well, some matro lines are more important. You're showing your classism and arrogance, ma'am. But I must say, when she gets her out of war college, her power is really sexy. That's all I'm saying. Good on you, Petra. I can't. I can't. No. But like, isn't it? It's just, it's true though. It's like those people in power that can pull the strings will pull the strings when it comes to like the things they care about. Oh, absolutely. So it just annoys me rather than makes me think she's sexy. Can it be both? It's, you know, I'm just saying. Team Team Petra is I am. I am not going to simp Petra. It's okay. I respect Petra, but I'm not going to simp her. More Petra for me. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. More Petra for you. Uh, <laughs> no shade to Petra. No. Very much enjoy her. Just she's frustrating me right now with her arrogance. Uh, Ray, so Ray Allen Tally don't matter to Petra. It's just Abigail, which I mean, duh. But also at the same time, saying that out loud to Abigail, who 
you know, love her unit mates who loves her unit mates. That's not going to sit well, but she doesn't give a crap. I don't think Petra knows too. Cause remember this whole unit unity thing is new. She so doesn't, she doesn't. So I don't think she understands. I'm just, I'm like, it? she doesn't understand that, but I'm saying that it's going to trigger Abigail. Oh, totally. Totally. No, 100%. Yeah. I don't think she realizes she's triggering Abigail at all. No, not at all. No. Like, I don't think that she sees, I think Abigail shares, shares a lot of information with her. So Petra no. doesn't have any information to use as ammunition. Absolutely. Because she knows that Petra will. Yeah. To, to get what she needs to get done. Uh, also it's, she's our, her mom's already helicoptering. So why, why give her any more information? Right. But yeah, you could, you could tell that Abigail is not happy about this and Petra doesn't give a shit. She's like, nope, I got you in war college and that's how it's going to be. But isn't it interesting that now Abigail is in this position that Tally was in, in the pilot where Tally had an out from the army Mm -hmm. and now Abigail has this out. And so yep. it's interesting that now this is being presented to Abigail right now in the story where Abigail's a very different person. And what choice will she make? We'll exactly. see later. Yes, we will. But uh, we go to Mama Costia, who is with Tally and Riel, telling them that Abigail won't be joining them, which sends Tally into a tailspin. And <clears throat> she starts going off about like, this is, like, what was the, all this stuff you were teaching us about sisterhood? And, you know, she, she's not, she's pissed. <laughs> Tally, this episode, she just gets continuously more and more pissed, it seems, until they get to towards the end. Yeah. Um, and Rael, once again, is like, are you surprised? Like, yeah, Rael's just, like, in her defeatist mindset again. And Tally's like, but the uni- unity stuff, it was all a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell Anacostia is not happy about this either. No, 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 not at all. But I think the the line with Tally, I think this this breakdown of Tally's where she's like, again, having like the good versus evil stuff, mm. you know, her, the rules and being good kind of being shattered. I think it's important for Anacostia to see this because that was the conversation with Scylla, right? Yep. And now she's seeing like the consequences of that in her like little baby cadets. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Anacostia... She says, like, put this to bed, like, get your head in the mission because you're going to they're going to need to be smart and make me proud. Which. An emotionally all over the place tally can't handle and runs to hug Anacostia, <laughs> which is so awkward and freaking hilarious because Anacostia is just standing there with her arms still crossed going, yep. what is happening? <laughs> yep. <laughs> What is this NorCal shit? (laughs) This is some lovey-dovey, hippy-dippy NorCal shit. It is. (laughs) Tally says, thank you for taking care of us. Which I feel like Mama Kasia is affected. She just will not show it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. For sure. But she says, she does, like, give him a little nugget when she says, I need the two of you to come back so you can continue to frustrate and age me prematurely. I love that line so much. That's her saying, I love you guys. Exactly. (laughs) That's like, I love you too, Tally and Rail, and you better come back or I'll kick your ass. Yeah, basically. I'll kill you myself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it seems very cute. 
but before Anacostia can get out the door, a very teary rail stops her mm-hmm. and rips out my heart too. By asking Anacostia to make sure that wherever they're moving Scylla, that they take it easy on her. And she says, I know she's messed up, but she's not all bad. Which is another thing that I think Anacostia needed to hear. And and this is again, Rael, like carpe diem Rael. This is mm-hmm. what she did with her dad. She's like, this could be her last conversation with Anacostia. Yep. And so she's like, hey, like I may not get the chance again to say this, so be nice yeah. to her if you be can. Be nice to her. I still love her even yep. though. Mm-hmm. That is what this is. And she's like, if if I if I love her, then there's got to be some good, you know. She's still not all bad. We had some good times, but uh, then Anacostia leaves, and Rail goes back to Tally, and they share a moment. Uh, and then Tally says she can't believe Abigail would leave without saying goodbye, and Rail just sits down and comforts Tally, and they cry together. Well, Tally more than Rail, but it's Tally. It's Tally. So I have a feeling that Tally cries at everything. Yeah, even like commercials. Yeah, or like pretty clouds, or like whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever. She's, just, she's bursting with emotions all the time. She is. She's yeah, very. I mean, and Rail may wear her emotions on her sleeves, on her sleeve, but she has does have like a that's not going to hit you with them kind of vibe unless it's anger oh yeah like, unless it's anger i think or discontent right rail's negative emotions will attack you but her lovey-dovey emotions not so much whereas tally's kind of the opposite and you need to like unless you're Scylla. yeah but with tally it's like her lovey-dovey emotions will just mm-hmm. pour out of her but you need to like really push her to get angry so her and rail are an opposite end of the emotional spectrum when it comes to like which mm-hmm. ones leak out versus which one you have to like poke out of her yeah but I just want to say one last thing about the scene. I think the big key dialogue in this scene is when Tally's very upset and says to Anacostia, this is an utter betrayal of everything you taught us. And she's talking mm-hmm. about like, you know, Abigail defecting from the unit and that being okay. And I think that is so important for Anacostia to hear yep. because that's what Anacostia is in denial about when it comes to like what Alder did, like Alder puppeting the president. She's like, this is an utter betrayal of all the rules I've been following my whole life. So I think that is so important, that piece of dialogue for Anacostia. Absolutely. And speaking of Anacostia and Scylla, so mm-hmm. we go back to the dungeon where Scylla is in her spotlight when Monacostia just like rolls in. Cause I think she gets, you know, triggered by the unit and then is like, okay, let me go confront Scylla again. And Scylla's like, Cool, you're back. You get gotta she get comes me. prepared. Yeah, she's like, you need to give me one more chance, girl. You keep coming back here. And Anacostia doesn't say anything. She just rolls in and gives Scylla this photo. And the photo is creased into fours. Like this thing was, it's been around for a hot minute. It's been pocketed. It's been hidden in books, whatever. And it's a picture of Scylla's parents. And they look very happy in the photo and they're like hugging each other. And Scylla 
with her little dirty fingers. This is why I don't think she let her shower. I think she let Yeah, no, she definitely <laughs> didn't let her shower because her feet are dirty and so are her hands. Exactly. I think she let her clean her face, but not her hands. <laughs> so exactly. Her, her fingers automatically start like very reverently tracing this photo. And Anacostia sits down and asks Scylla, or I don't know if she sits, but she basically asks her very honestly, like, what happened to them? Like, there's no malice behind this. She's just asking a question. And Scylla, you know, is like, I'm sure it's in those army reports because, you know, the army killed them. And Anacostia says, you know, I want to hear it from you. You're what you saw. And Scylla tells her, you know, the story of how her parents are killed. And Scylla was 16 years old and they were dodging around the session. And while she's telling this whole story, Scylla's eyes never leave the photo. She's just looking at her parents, like reliving this. And she's like, we were dodging. We were good at this until we weren't. And then the military police showed up to their house that they were staying at. And they killed her parents, despite her parents surrendering, just to prove a point. And I love this line because it sounds a lot like almost a way to rationalize her actions in the spree a little bit. It's like, even though these people that I'm killing kind of like aren't really in the fight they're kind of quote-unquote innocent i'm proving a point just the way the army proved that point with my parents kind of thing and i think Scylla's biggest regret kind of comes out in the story because she tells anacostia i was hiding in the garage and i didn't do anything and now i fight now because i think that that was kind of a turning point with Scylla, where yeah she had all this contempt with regards to the army because she was you know grew up as a dodger evading it and lived a life in hiding And she was finally at a place in this story where she's like, we were finally going to settle down. I was going to start school. Like we had new names, like things were looking hopeful. And then the fucking military police showed up and just ripped everything from me. And in that moment, I was young and didn't know what to do. And I did nothing. And I think she kind of regrets that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and now she's like, now I fight in that honor. And Anacostia kind of takes the story in and lets Scylla know that she lost her parents too. And, and Scylla, the way she takes this information, she looks very surprised. Like, she didn't know Anacostia was also an orphan. And Anacostia starts, like, kind of getting in her feels about this and tells the story of how her parents died. And tells her that it wasn't anything war-related, kind of like it was for you. My parents died in a car accident. And Scylla's like, what? Witches died in a car accident? Why didn't they just, like, use work and prevent it from happening they had the power to stop that and anacostia tells her that you know her parents were as by the book as they you can get and it wasn't an army situation they were just driving on an icy road and the rules say you cannot perform work off base unless you're engaged in a military operation and in that regard again it's reinforcing the fact that this is how anacostia was brought up it's very black and white in her thinking like You know, rules said don't use work. So her parents, even though they were actively dying, did not use work to save themselves. And it really shows this like polarizing upbringing between her and Scylla, where Scylla was taught like off canon work as a Dodger and was like, hey, you're a witch, be a witch, use work, like fuck the rules kind of thing. But Anacostia was like, no, 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 these are the rules. Like we follow the rules. And, you know, this isn't a military thing. We're not going to use work. And you know, that's kind of highlights the two of them. And in this aspect, like, you know, 
even though I think Anacosti understands why her parents didn't use the work, it still makes her very upset that she's like, you know, after that, I had many mother figures, including Alder, people that kind of took me in. And we know that these were army people that took her in. But at the end of the day, Anacostia still misses her, you know, biological mother. And she starts really honestly crying thinking about this. And I think Scylla kind of gets that, like missing your parents thing. But Scylla, again, tries to drive home her point. And she says, I hope their sacrifice was appreciated because they were wearing collars and chains and didn't even know it. And and that's so important because really at the end of the day, it, those rigid rules are what killed them because they had the power to stop this and they didn't. They were following these rules that were really in place to make witches blend into human society, not coexisting like as witches and humans. They were supposed to blend as humans. And so even in the situation where they had the power to stop this, they didn't because they were following the rules to make them more human, like foregoing their own work and gifts that makes them witches. So that's what Scylla's trying to say here. Like they were wearing collars and chains, like they just didn't even know it. And Anacostia kind of brushes past this and she's like, hey, like the army was my family after that. Like they became my family because they took me in, they cared for me. And Scylla says the line, is a family that eats their young really a family? Because, you know, the army, the army's rules are the reason this keeps happening. They keep sending out all your daughters and sisters or whatever to just die for other people. Like, that's how she sees the army. But I think the other key part of this line is that, you know, is a family that eats their young really a family? I think this highlights how Scylla sees the spree, too. Because the spree taking in Scylla is not seen as a family to Scylla because we've seen what the Spree does. They threaten their own agents. Nobody has come to get her. Like, but they're willing to sacrifice her for the greater good, quote unquote, the way the army is willing to sacrifice their own for the quote unquote greater good. So I think this really highlights the fact that, you know, Anacostia sees the army as her family, but like Scylla really is familyless right now. Mm-hmm. And I think she's smart enough to understand that about the Spree. And... So I think it's really, it's, it's like heartbreaking too, that like Scylla really is very alone, like in the world. She has no family, really no tether to anybody that's a found family. She just has this group that's a means to an end for her. So it's very, it's very sad. So I think that's something that's different between Scylla and Anacostia, whereas, you know, Anacostia found her quote unquote, a found family. Like Scylla really didn't. After she lost her parents, she's just was very isolated and she was just, found this group to just use what time she had left to just honor her parents. And that's what she says. She's like, the spree gave me purpose, like a place to take all that pain and do something constructive with it. So instead of being sacrificed or killed to prove a point or this casualty of war, Scylla decided at the age of 16 to use her life to fight to end this system that killed her parents. Like this system that made her miserable, that enslaves witches that forced her into hiding her whole life and even if this group the spree isn't perfect it was better than the alternative which was to sit in a garage and do nothing and just watch all these atrocities happen anyway and so it kind of comes to the conclusion at the end of this that like well i guess you and me anacostia were, were more alike than i thought and they are and that's that is 
that is the point of this. And she admits, like, you're being nicer to me than you needed to be, so thank you. And she's being very sincere here. And Anacostia is like, you're welcome. She wipes her tears and she leaves. And I think it's important that when she leaves, she leaves Scylla with the photo. And so at the end of this scene, while they just talked about, you know, the fact that they were alone and then they kind of found groups, even though Scylla still really is alone at the end of the day, she now even in the cell, she has the photo of her parents and she's not totally alone. She at least has, you know, the memories of them. And more importantly, at the end, she kind of found a kindred spirit with Anacostria. So that's a start of like a found family tie and the birth of the best bro tp on this show heck yeah yeah i also want to uh point out my the line that Scylla says at the very beginning of the scene after anacostia hands her the photo just the way she says it i don't know what it just like sticks with me every time when she goes my dead parents better times <laughs> it's like uh, uh, like half sass, half sincerity. <laughs> it's like so sad. It no, it is, and I think that's part of why Anacostia let her keep the photo because yeah. at the beginning of that story she tells, it was better times. Like exactly, they were they were literally moving on and forming a life. Like she was starting school and all these things. So like yeah, like it's very truthful and heartbreaking. She's like better because I think it's bitter too. It's like better times because mm-hmm. they were torn from her. And that's what the you know the military police did. So it's and I think Anacostia gets that. No, at the end it's just like Sol is accepting her fate once and for all. Like, well, <laughs> guess I better get my my bathing suits ready. <laughs> Go to the Caribbean. But also she she recognizes that you know Anacostia is not being completely malicious towards her the yeah. way oh yeah quote unquote the art the whole army as a whole is being mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it's a very significant moment between the two of them. Yup. A turning point, if you will. If you will, yes. An important one. Oh, boy. So, from the fun dungeon, we're going to go to... The fun dungeon? <laughs> the fun dungeon. <laughs> we're going to go to getting deployed. Yeah, the opposite of fun. <laughs> The fun dunge to the plane, or the, yeah, the plane, the cargo plane. So the unit joins Alder on the plane, and... Wait, before we get on the plane, did you see the plane when they, like, had, like, the shot of them walking on it? At the front of the plane, there's an image of Artemis the Hunter on it. No way. Yeah, there is, and it says her name, too. So it's, like, even, even the planes have, like, those mythical like female like warriors oh yeah i know it's super cool that's my favorite goddess me too me too artemis is my favorite oh twinsies yeah i'm gonna have to go back and look at that again yeah it's really how i missed that i think i was delirious when i was watching it this time so i've literally never noticed it before so okay i thought that was pretty cool that they have like important figures on their planes it's really cool yeah well um, so like when they do get on the plane, Adil asks them immediately about Abigail, like, where is she? Cause he doesn't, he's like, where's my girl? Mm-hmm. And he's quickly informed that she's not coming <laughs> except Abigail is coming because she's on the plane in her hood. And she's like, you didn't think I was going to let you two have all the fun. Did you? 
and and then uh tally and rael actually smile for the first time like this whole episode really <laughs> yeah really truly <laughs> and then they the unit embraces and uh, once again we're back to abigail using shitbird as a as a what am i trying to say affectionate term and she says what's up shitbird yeah <laughs> i love that so good oh drink every time she says shitbird and i mean water hydrate hydrate for the shitbird the term lesbian of endearment <laughs> for lesbian jesus yeah well Wait. i mean she only really calls <laughs> rael that it's literally just rael tally yeah. doesn't get that nickname no she's too pure but uh, <laughs> precisely just a couple things about that scene so alder in her i was uniform. just about to say that <laughs> uh, sorry no, go, go, go. You say it, you say it. Just swoons and gay over that. It's just when she when they get on the on the plane, it's just Alder in her mm-hmm. battle uniform. Oh my god, it's so good. I was, I was like, Ugh. yes. I was like, so many, so many gays around the world are not okay now. The queer ladies are not okay seeing that. No, they're but s- also they're yes. swoony woony. We're swooning. And also Bridie's back. She's in the background. I know Bridie! I was so excited to see her. But I do think that uh, there's that moment where Alder and Abigail look at each other and I think there's like Alder's like, all right, I see you. Yeah. And Abigail's like, I see you too. Yeah. <laughs> we all see, bitch. <laughs> we'll get to that later, but yes, they all see. Yeah, for real. So we get a little bit of time forward action and everyone's trying to get some shut eye on the plane. And that's when Rael chooses to open that letter that Papa Collar gave her that's from her mother. I know. It's so I know, I'm crying. <laughs> also, she- can I just say, when this is all happening, the plane is, like, weirdly quiet. It really is. Yeah, like, I, I figured it'd be louder on that plane. Was that work to make it quiet? <laughs> I just you throw never- that out there. Hey, it may be work. Right. Since, you know, they're, they like, can. they're trying to sleep. Exactly. Just weird. Yeah. Like, this is really quiet for a military plane. Yeah. Yeah. But, anyway. Uh, Rahel touches the sigil, uh, or does the sigil on the letter, the symbol on the letter, and her mom appears and starts saying the words that are in the letter. Like, I left the charm with dad. Uh, soon you'll need it more than me. And she tells her, I love you more than the sky above. And the earth below. It's one of the best lines in the whole show. It is, but also put a pin. Yep. So. <laughs> put a pin in all of this. Like, put they're, a like pin in everything. they're like, do you remember what Molly McCollar looked like from the pilot? No, here she is again. Here she yeah. is. So that very important look at Mom McCollar, this is what Mom McCollar looks like. Uh, and she tells Rail in the letter, you have powerful work in you, girl. So once again, another reference to how powerful Rael is. Again. Again. Trust your gift and never doubt it, not even for a minute. And then the next super heart-tugging line of, I will always be close watching over you. Put a a pin in that, too. Put a pin in that. (laughs) Also, last thing about this whole letter. She opens the letter with saying, I'm deploying to Greenville in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Go back to the pilot, because this was the battle Rael brought up to Abigail when they were fighting. 
So like, again, Mama Color saved all these letters about this Greenville deployment that she conveniently just sprinkled back to Rael mm-hmm. throughout the whole fucking season. Just, you know. And the other key dialogue in this letter that kind of comes becomes important going forward and illuminates, you know, why Rael was so upset about the army too is Mama Collar says in the letter that basically she's been away from Rael for so long and that she hated, hated, strong word, hated that she was away from Rael. Mm-hmm. So again, the army took Rael's mother away from her, not just getting her killed in battle, but like kept her away from Rael from all these deployments. So that's another thing mm-hmm. that really shaped Rael that comes out in this letter that I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. And then Rael's crying and I'm crying too. Yeah, we're all crying. We're all crying and she's looking at the space where her mother, her mother, I guess the specter of her mother just was, but then like right down the way is just Alder. <laughs> so Who is not her mother. Who's not her mother. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> anyway, um, one last thing about the, this, the whole, these past two scenes, I guess, I should have said this earlier, but when Abigail makes the decision to join the unit, Elliot talks about this in After the Storm and basically talks about how this is the birth of a new leader with Abigail, because instead of doing what Petra probably would have done is like staying with the bellwether power, the bellwether privilege, she's choosing sisterhood first, which is completely different from what the previous bellwether leaders have kind of done. And he says that she's more worldly and more smart and smarter as a leader. And so call back to Abigail's name, which literally means with, well, not literally figuratively means wisdom. This is the wisdom component of Abigail when she's coming into her leadership role as a wiser leader. So I think that's important. And that's where her name kind of comes into play. And Ashley says too, that like, I think this is important for Abigail, her biggest lesson over the whole season was really learning how to care for other people and not just look out for Abigail. And so she comes to this realization that, Hey, my unit and I we're in this together and she knows she can fall back and rely on them. And so that's very important for Abigail as a character that she came to that. And so it really just, she went through so much growth this whole season. And so this is really like the culmination of all of that. And it's very like an important. I honestly think she had the most growth. I do too. Like having like really gone back and watched all this and analyze it. I all, I agree. I think Abigail had the most growth this, this season, to be honest. Absolutely. Cause like I mean, this she is, goes from one extreme to like, yeah, not no, totally. an ex- another extreme, but a, to a totally different place. Yeah, exactly. Like pilot Abigail would never do this. No, never. Like it's just, it's so huge. Like her journey. So I, I absolutely love her character arc this season. It's so huge, like what she went through and where she is right now. This very like wise leader, like she's more worldly and she has a better head on her that make head on her shoulders that make really like makes her the perfect leader for like this unit. It's yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, <clears throat> it's rewatching all of this once again but in an analytical type mode has made me appreciate that character um, so much more. Yeah, totally. So honestly, I-, I couldn't agree more. Like Abigail really is a phenomenal character from start to finish this whole season. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So after all of that, the plane eventually gets to the, I'm going to butcher this, the Altai Mountains, I guess. Yeah, I had to say it last time. It's your turn. Altai? 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 We're going with that. Basically, they said it earlier, this is the last known location of the Tareem. And so that's why we're here. And it's like nighttime, I guess, or close to the dawn of the new day or whatever, when the helicopters land. And so they get out of the helicopter and the truth's kind of look around for a hot minute while the plane's still running. And Tally makes the comment that, oh, we're being watched by somebody. And so Abigail nudges her to go tell Alder. And so she does. And she lets uh, lets Alder know that whoever it is feels hostile. So they already land and there's like enemies watching them, basically. Is she the only knower? Thank you. (laughs) Didn't they? Well, maybe maybe Alder's like didn't deploy with another knower because they're aware of how powerful Tally is. And like, remember, remember the city drop like Anacostia was using Tally. So Mm -hmm. like, I think Alder's aware of how powerful she is as a knower. So maybe they just didn't bring another one. Maybe. But yeah, good point. Yes, what are the specialties that went on this mission? I would love mm-hmm. to know. Is there a necro? I want to know. Anyways. I don't think they bring a necro, but that is an interesting... I mean, I'd bring one of everyone if we were going on this mission, this last attempt to get the Tareem. I mean, fair enough. But I don't know. It's never explained. And we never found out what Bridie's I was, did we? I was just thinking that. I don't think she's a necro, but yeah, we don't no. know what Bridie does. Is she a blaster? Yeah. Because maybe, she I don't know. She strikes me as a blaster. Because her story about her unit when her unit mate got killed. Yeah. What she was doing, like, sounded like she was doing blaster. Yeah, I, f- I figure she is. So, but yeah, again, never explained. And they're, they're kind of like, uh, okay, this could be, oh, there's like, well, there's like dozens of other people after the Tareem. So, yeah, maybe the, whoever this is is hostile. Could be the Spree. Could be somebody else. We don't really know. Just like, stay vigilant. Let's keep going. And so they march through this forest at night with Bridie leading. So that's why I think she's kind of a blaster. And all through the biddies and everybody is following along. And eventually they make it to this campsite along the water. And it's super beautiful. And Alder and the biddies approach. And she gets rid of a deal. <laughs> she's like, a deal, get out of here and go do stuff. And so he leaves. And it would be a super romantic moment. But like, you know, Rail and Abigail are also there. But <laughs> Over the biddies, but it's beautiful. I'm just throwing that. I don't out there. think any romantic moments happen with Alder where the biddies aren't around. The, I mean, the biddies have been around; they know romance too. So whatever, yeah. we'll give them that. And well, so the biddies are going to feel what the Alder feels. So. Listen, they're going to get so many romantic. Oh my god, that has so many creepy implications. It sure does. <laughs> god, my mind is ruined forever. You're welcome. I didn't write you. this. I didn't write this, but that's what's happening. And anyway, Alder, besides it being a beautiful moment, if you look at the scenery, she's also just trying to clear the air with the unit because, you know, to go into battle, one has to trust each other. And she gets <laughs> the way you said that gets that they don't they don't trust her because well, obviously rem- not. <laughs> obvious. I mean, Abigail gave her the side eye in the plane like she gets that. That and they were part of the coup. Yeah, that too. And but Tally is having none of this because at this point, Elliot kind of said, like, Tally's vision of Alder's been shattered and she just does not trust Alder at all. And that's pretty obvious. And she's like, 
She's like, what the fuck do you want to talk about, Alder? And she starts airing her grievances. Like, you ordered, you used us to kill innocent people. We lost Libba. You puppeted the president. Like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? And Tally is just so confident when she's, like, ripping into Alder, which is fascinating. And and Alder's just like, well, you think you see everything, don't you? Because, again, I think Alder. Oh, yeah, I love this difference. line. Exactly. It's a yep. double meaning because Tally's powers let her see everyone, mm-hmm. everything. And Alder gets that. And But I think what she's really trying to say with this is like, hey, the truth is complicated, girl. You can't see everything with your mm-hmm. visions. And again, part of Tally's issue is that she sees things now, like literally and figuratively, that she cannot unsee. And it's basically, um, Jess said it. She was, she, it's making her um, question everything. And she's at this point where she like wishes she, things weren't the way she quote unquote sees them, but like she can't unsee them. And she's trying to like deal with this for the very first time. She's never been in this position. And she, you know, even when it comes to Alder, like the big pinnacle of like the army. And basically Rail's like, you owe us answers. And Alder's like, bitch, I owe you nothing. Mm-hmm. I am your commanding officer. I don't owe you anything, but like we need to trust each other. So that's why we're doing this. And Alder shares a little anecdote basically about how the first time she ever made one of these really difficult like life or death decisions when it came to like you know, a place of power and ordering another witch in a harm's way. It was like 300 years ago is the first time she ever had to make this decision because that's when she became a military leader for the first time. Because again, Alder was just some peasant girl, really. Like, you know, she wasn't being groomed to be in the army. This like all kind of happened out of like survival. And the fact that she was like being hunted and things like that for being a witch. So she's like, listen, the first time I ever had to make one of these like general decisions was 300 years ago. And since then, I've been doing this for 300 years and making these decisions. And she's like, and I don't regret any of my actions, but this kind of decision making has never gotten easier for me. So, like, it's letting us know that Alder still feels like the weight of these decisions. She's not just like, I don't know, doing these things willy nilly and just being like, whatever, some witches might die, whatever, that's the way it is. Alder still feels like, a responsibility for these witches and she still feels the weight of these consequences and like genuinely feels like the loss of people like Libba like yeah I had to make this horrible decision and she died don't mistake me in thinking that I easily made that decision like I that weight sits with me but I don't regret the action because it's what needed to happen for the greater good quote unquote and so Ab- and then Abigail makes this comment that I really love and she says you know my mother Petra says you know, if decisions like that ever get easy, walk away. And I I love that line because it really just touches on like the humanity component of all these war decisions. And Alder like agrees with that statement. She's like, you know, Petra and I don't see eye to eye. Obviously she's trying to do a coup, but like we agree Mm -hmm. here that like if your humanity is ever stripped away and you're in this position of power where you're playing with other people's lives as chess pieces, like you need to walk away because you have to keep your humanity when you're making these decisions. And so then Alder tries to like transition back into city drop to like get on their level and kind of like be like, you know, that was one of those tough decisions, but Tally's having none of this and just blows up. She's like, we weren't ready and you made us into murderers. And Alder counters with, I made you into soldiers And I love that because the label is so conditional and situational. 
because mm-hmm. I mean, soldiers are ordered to kill people, but it's it's quote unquote not murdering if it's for the greater good, if it's under the rules of war. But you're still murdering. Like, it's just under a set of rules. So the label gets different. And like, Tally cannot conceptualize that. Yeah, she can't conceptualize that because in their situation, they were ordered to kill innocent people, not other, not hostile people. Because hostile people is good versus bad. That's what a soldier Mm -hmm. does. That's honorable. But they were ordered to kill people who had nothing to do with this, who were just trapped. And so she's like, that's murdering. But Again, all there's like, you were a soldier and I ordered you to do something. So you're a soldier now. And and I think Alder kind of gets that this transition is happened very abruptly for them. And it's difficult to transition from like the very green soldier that was doing something for the very first time to like the veteran that has now experienced war. And that's kind of what this unit is having a hard time doing is transitioning into that role because Tally's fighting the fact that she's not green anymore. Like she's been through a real battle. And so Alder tries to put it into perspective and says, hey, like, listen, what you really did that day was save thousands of people by stopping that truck. She's like, hold on to the the good that you did. And I think that's kind of honest advice coming from Alder, who had to make horrible decisions for 300 years. And she's like, at the end of the day, like, focus on the good. Like, you did mm-hmm. good, you know? And that's like, that's the like the brainwashing propaganda piece where it's like, I'm doing horrible things, but I have to cling to the fact that it's for the greater good. Like, it's for good. But Tally's and I Tally doesn't fight her in that piece. She's like, okay, sure. But what about the president stuff? Mm-hmm. Because that was a war crime that that Alder did. Like straight up war crime. And Tally gives a line that I love, and she says, How are we any different from the spree if we just puppet whoever gets in our way? Because yeah, thank you, Tally, for taking the brain cell and saying that out loud. Because yeah, yeah like <laughs> How are we any different if we're, again, resorting to these extreme illegal measures? And isn't that what the spree is doing and why they're bad? And I don't think all they're ready to admit that no. that's what's happening. But she admits to the mm-hmm. fact that, yes, I violated the rules, but I had no choice. There's always a choice. But like... Is that not how the spree can rationalize all the shit that they're doing? Thank you. Uh, like, I love this conversation because I know there's so many layers. That's what the spree did. They're like, we were backed into a corner. And so we just started killing bitches because you gave us no choice. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to get out of this army shit for hundreds of years. And you're like, no, 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 that's the rules. And the rules aren't changing. So fuck it. We're just killing bitches. Still tried to try to tell you guys this. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, that's why I love it. It's just so like, they're like, no, 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 we're not like them. Here's why. But the why is exactly like them. (laughs) They're not so different. It's like the label that that Tally's fighting with soldier is the same label that the spree or the the spree fight the label terrorists. So yes. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that. Uh Yes, absolutely. Yes. And all this rationalization. I love it because this is what the spree is all about. If you knew what was at stake, Tally, you'd understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't the spree doing this because what's at stake is them being enslaved and being yep. killed off by all these wars? Like, mm-hmm. again, you're not so different. To serve people that hate them anyway. Yep, exactly. So you've got exactly you you've got soldier and murderer, and then you've got terrorist or freedom fighter. 
Yeah, no, 100 million percent. That's exactly <laughs> what's happening with these two groups. It's, yeah, very... Thanks, Elliot. This dialogue is awesome. Of course, because it's you that wrote it. But yeah, it's just... He it's, leaves it's, a lot of nuggets in everything he writes. I love it. And it just really goes to show you that it's really, it's perspective. All this mm-hmm. like good versus evil, clinging to the good that we're doing. It's all about perspective and rationalizing these extreme actions. Because what Alder did was really fucked up with the with President Wade. But she's mm-hmm. like, hey, I had no choice. You know, if you only knew what was at stake. And it's like... You still committed a war crime, Alder, yeah. of, like, rules that you put in place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I love Tally saying that, like, how are we any different from the spree? This is literally what they're doing, and this is literally how they're rationalizing it. Like, come on now. So, Tal- it's like Tally in her innocence was is able to see the base of what... See the basics where I think Alder's gotten a little lost... In, in the woods of, I have to make all of these decisions, and I've made all of these decisions for 300 years. Yeah. Girl, retire and take a rest. Seriously, Alder deserves a break. Like, in general. Like, the poor thing. But, Go to yeah. a beach somewhere. Go to labor and pain. Not that beach. <laughs> Go to, like, a beach that's named something nice, like rest and Relaxation. <laughs> Yeah, go to Rest and Relaxation Beach. This sounds like The Sims. I'm sorry. (laughs) It does. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is uh, our prescription for Alder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is like one of those like medieval pre-medicine. They're like, you just need to go to the ocean and get some good air. It's the bad air. Yeah, you need to get some good air and some... uh, Go take in the baths. Yeah, get in the water, like pull an ammonite. It'll be all great. It'll cure your gout. No. (laughs) Or whatever. I'm sure you have many ailments those biddies are hiding for you. Right, exactly. But yeah, then after that, Alder Witch Mike drops and leaves them by the fire for a hot minute. I love that. What what does a Witch Mike drop look like that's different from a... It's Alder just getting out of there silently with all her big witch energy and just the biddies with their big witch energy. I love it. She witch my trap. She does it all the time. She always like, I'm leaving. I, Alder, am leaving. (laughs) Does anyone else witch mic drop, though? Kalita. Kalita. Okay. Kalita. Kalita. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Scylla does it later at one of her last scenes. (laughs) She (laughs) super witch my trust. We'll get there. (laughs) I can love her. Yep. So from all the fun at the campfire, we get to go to the next day. Uh, Alder and the gang are going to go find the Turim. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're marching along, and Adil says, it's there, near that tree. And Tally says, not a tree. <laughs> okay, listen, we've been, Wifey and I have been rewatching The Good Place, so that just reminded me of Janet, anytime she's like, not a girl. <laughs> she's like, not a, the way Tally said it, she's like, not a yep, tree. <laughs> not a tree. <laughs> I love that line. It's so good. So good. Um, but it does really highlight how powerful her side is once again. Yeah, and they were like, how far away were they? Were they were really far away. And, yeah, and totally. Tally could see it. Yeah. So when they do get closer, they come up on this 
post that is where a witch is hung and she's dressed to look like Alder's sister. Yeah. So she's laying like this colonial dress. And yeah. what I love about that particular line is that it it's really a big hint because Elliot wrote this, obviously. So it's a big hint that whatever's happening, it's not just this personal thing against the bellwethers. Like, remember the bellwether wedding attack, all those bellwethers that were killed all at once. But now this is very personal against Alder. So like mm-hmm. whatever the hell is happening is just personal. You know? It's personal and it's a from a long ass time ago. Yes, exactly. Yeah, love that. Yeah, it's our very ancient beautiful. enemy has yes. returned. Right. So I wonder if like Alder here is like, what the fuck? Like something else is happening. I wonder if this is where she first kind but of. But she's like, still clinging of- on to that. The spree is taunting us, taunting me. I know, but this has to be deep down. Like this is weird. You know, like this is personal mm-hmm. against me now. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. I think she's still in still in denial a slight bit. Oh, totally. And she tells them to go get the bats ready because, I mean, if they're that close, got to go get the helicopters ready, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So they approach the cave and they go in and they're all being super watchful for the first time that we see an army operation where people are actually paying attention to what's around them where did the unit yes like where (laughs) when because every other unit we've seen go into a military operation does not act like this dude i wonder if bridey was like listen i've seen you guys like on the plane she's like y'all are a mess this is what we're gonna do this Mm -hmm. is how you need to look for enemy like she like gave him a crash course of how to not die on the plane i could see it i could see it yeah for sure so they're, when they're in the cave, Tally finds a blood trail that leads them further back. And they keep walking until they have nowhere else to walk. Because there's a big rock wall. Which Adil approaches and he puts his hands on it. And then he he says something about how hopefully this was... It's hopeful because... Maybe this was his people protecting themselves. And then he explains a little bit more about the Tareem's powers, which they can remake the earth, split stone. They can shake the earth. So basically he's making it sound like if you got a bunch of Tareem together, they could split the earth in half. Yes. And also he says we can create land where there was exactly. Put a pin in that. Yes. Yes. But it's it's showing you that like Tareem culture and their powers is all linked to like the earth. Because earlier we saw when he was sad about Kalita and drawing, you know, what sticks in the ground with Abigail, he's mentioned that this is a blessing to the earth. So we see that they're very like earth centric with their culture and their powers. So I think that's important to know. Yes. Yeah. And I guess nobody else really does this since their magic is the one that like nobody else has. So it's mm-hmm. unique to them. And no wonder Alder wants it so badly. Not only is it linked to her in some way. Yeah. But also like, it's, it's almost like, what is the thing? Like the elements, like this is the one element they don't have, like power yeah, that they can right. tap into. Yeah. Exactly. So Adil uh, gets to work breaking down the big wall and Tally kind of notices that Alder isn't just 
worried about getting the Tareem for their power, but she can see that Alder really cares about the Tareem, saving the Tareem culture and people. And Alder explains that Tally hasn't seen what she's seen, that people haven't been, she, cause Alder was around when people were, when, chasing all of the witches down and murdering them so she was there for the burning times she had to hide from everyone who wanted to kill witches and it wasn't just one group it was everybody basically so anyone who wasn't a witch she saw her family hung her other witches burned stoned to death and it followed her from the old world to the new world and they hunted her there too whose childhood does this sound like Huh? Yeah. I'm like Scylla, right? Grew yeah, up in hiding. Like on the run, watched her family get killed. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I also love when she says, love that, but also love the enemies when she lists them. So she says the church, which was mentioned earlier, the Camarilla, yeah. which we've heard, yeah. and others. So I wonder the others, like, will that be something that pops up at some point, maybe? Like Could other be. groups? Just throwing that out there. Could be. Could be wonder if it was something crazy like the Knights Templar. Right. Because I mean, that's connected to the church, but still. But still, yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm just curious because the ones that they've kind of mentioned, like the church is one that comes from our timeline kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The Camarilla is kind of like a group that could have come from our timeline. I just wonder like with the altering of history, like what are the other groups? Maybe also we'll slight them. crack theory. What if there's a male witch um, group? There had been a male witch group in the past that was like, hey. Trying to get power from the women. This matriarchal stuff is not for us. Totally. I mean, apparently that kind of male privilege shit still exists even in the mm-hmm. matriarchy. So look exactly. at Garrett. Anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, away from crack theories. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Just, throw, just throwing it out there. <laughs> um. So Alder says that this is the dream in their songs are the last link to something she thought was gone forever. Um, if we, yes, very key. And if we convince them to share their songs, the power can be used to make a better, safer world. And I think that this is another really big example that she really believes that that's what she's been doing this entire time is making a better, safer world. But she's so into that straight line of thought that she kind of misses some stuff oh yeah like again this is her like rationalizing all her actions it's rationalizing precisely but it also humanizes her to a, a great degree no totally i also wonder too with the dialogue if it's like elliot wrote this on purpose because she says we can use this power to make a better, safer mm-hmm. world. And Adil just said they can create land where there was mm-hmm. none. I Are wonder. they going to like make a witch island? Uh-huh. I wonder if that's the end goal here. To like be like, we can make a witch world for can us. Can I live there? Can we all? I mean, if all the witches are going to be there, I want to be there. But anyway, I'm just know. wondering. Key dialogue. And also she says something in that that's that particular line too, where she says... She's saying the things were stolen from her people. And she says so many things about our culture was essentially scattered to the wind. So for this, like, since the beginning of witches, I guess, there's always been this, like, divide and conquer strategy going on from, Mm -hmm. like, 
these groups that hate them. So it seems like the witches have never really been united. That's what I also take from this dialogue. They've always been divided because again, if you, the I would imagine their enemies view them as extremely powerful. And so they're trying to like weaken them by dividing them, by breaking the Tareem and the earth people away from the weather people, which was the Alder group. And so they've never really been united. So I wonder if that's also what Alder's kind of after. Oh like, yeah. It's, that's her, witches back together. Absolutely. I think is one of her goals. Yeah. Could also be another reason why the Hague exists as well. Yeah, totally. Like if you think about it, even though it took a hot minute and a half, it was still after like a world war, which again, yeah. witches were all fighting. So you had witches fighting against each other on this global exactly. front. So maybe, yeah, that the Hague was like, hey guys, maybe we shouldn't be just willy-nilly killing each other. And who yeah. knows what the hell magic they were using because there was no rules of war at that time. So, exactly. Yeah. Not to mention that they, that Elliot said that the other countries, the witches in other countries use a different kinds of magic or use different kinds of work. Yeah, totally. So imagine what that conversation was like to like decide what was canon because everybody mm -hmm. has different work. Yeah, exactly. I, I do uh, so many things I want to know, but <sighs> anyway, Adil makes a hole in the wall, which is pretty damn cool. I like the Turin powers. And they, they <clears throat> walk back into the cave further and they find the last of the Turium. And the woman who seems to be in charge is caring for a little boy who's sick with the witch plague. And she turns around and sees, and she's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, basically you betrayed us. Take the strangers <laughs> and go. Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Just show up in here with all these people. We made that rock for a reason. Yeah. Adele, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, Adele? GTFO. We're trying to, yeah. But, Survive, yeah. Yeah. And of course, Alder has to step in and, and try to convince them. And I'm like, shut up. I'm just like, bitch, you are making this worse. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> shut up. Everybody knows who you are. Right. You know what you want. You're not going, you're not the person to freaking get them to do anything no but then rael steps forward to say hey while you guys are working this out that boy is dying so could we like focus yeah <laughs> and that's when adil comes back around and tells the Turim woman that ray hilled rael hilled kalita and the woman just seems shocked that Khalid is alive, first of all. And, like, and, relieved, too. Yeah, and relieved. And that she's been healed. So that's what convinces her to let them stay without protest. And because if this girl can cure the witch plague from this boy, you know, that's a big thing. Yeah, and also, like, Kalita is this high priestess mm -hmm. figure in their culture. So, like, wow, they saved Kalita, our big leader. Exactly. Like, you earned our trust and respect kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's why she lets them stay and Rael goes to work on the boy. <laughs> They're tolerating Alder because They're of that story. Alder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you held Kalita, so I guess you can stay. You just stay way back there. <laughs> I was going to say, Adil's like whispering, Alder, get the back. <laughs> yeah, get in the back, Alder. Get the back. Hide behind Tally. She's tall enough. <laughs> yeah. 
Tally is so tall. I love it. Yeah, because stand next to Tally. Stand next to Tally. Even though they're not on the best of terms at this moment either. Well, actually, at this point, they kind of are. So Elliot That's says right. that she kind of yeah. After okay. the cave speech, Alder want just one Tally's respect back with that speech she just gave. True so that. True that. They they can stand together amicably now. Cool. All right. So after the Tareem rescue slash rail <laughs> disrespect, but for. Like right reasons. Of yeah, Rails like guys. <laughs> She's like, hey, I know you guys are all important or whatever, but like, I'm gonna go do this. So, yeah, can there we is. like freaking heal the little boy, please? Yeah, like, hey, let's save some witches. Mm-hmm. So Rails get to work with that. <clears throat> we go back to Scylla and Mama Costia at round three, I guess. <laughs> this time, I love it. We don't My get favorite to see- round yet. <laughs> we don't get to see Scylla on her bullshit. We just have Mama Costia busting into the cell with a food tray. Mm-hmm. No niceries, no nothing. She's just like, um, uh, your prison transport's going to be in two hours. But of course, Scylla is on her bullshit. Obviously, she just didn't get to leave this time. So she's like, well, I didn't know what bathing suits to pack yet because it's the Caribbean. <laughs> and Anna Costia's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're going to die there. Like, you get that, right? And she's very, like, dead serious here. Like, not placating Scylla, not playing games. She's like, we don't have time for this. You got two hours left. And then Mama Costia starts, like, fussing around Scylla. And Scylla, at this point, after this shut the fuck up, like, this is this this shit is happening now kind of thing. Scylla's like, wait, what are you actually doing? And Mama Costia is uncuffing Scylla. And she's like, listen, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Against, like, everything screaming in my body that says you're bad, I'm just, I, I'm going to give you a fighting chance because a part of me believes that you deserve it. And at that point, she takes the silencing collar off Scylla and Scylla, like, kind of rolls her neck. And it's like, wow, okay, you just uncollared me. That's that's big. And Mama Costia is like, listen, don't make me wrong about this. Like, I'm giving you a chance. Don't prove me wrong. Like, and she kind of looks and she's like, listen, the place is crawling with guards. This is army base. You're on your own with that. But like, I'm a, I'm letting you go. Basically, is the implication. And Scylla finally stands and they stare at each other and she's like okay, you're really letting me go. Like, all right. And Mama Costia looks at her. She's like, all right. Like, like psyching herself up. And she's like, you got to make this look good, girl. Like, And before Scylla does her thing, she's like, thank you. Like, she actually thanks her. Like, you you actually are a friend, I guess. This kindred spirit thing is real. And Mama Costia proves that by handing her a lighter because she knows what she's going to do with it. And But before she gives, hands it completely over, she says, hold on to the part of you that's good. Like, showing Scylla that she's like, hey, me, like, Rael, we believe there's some good in you. Like, go prove us right, kind of thing. And and I think this is a callback to Rael because their music is playing in the background when she yes, gives Yes, it is, because I wrote so Rael and yeah. the love uh-huh. that she brought out of Scylla. Uh-huh. And Mama Costia gets that. And that's also the good part of Scylla is that mm-hmm. part of her. And Scylla realizes this isn't a trick and, like, takes the lighter. And then off screen, she knocks out Mama Costia and cosplays her. And then Super Witch Mike drops out of the cell because it's, like, no emotion. She's just like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to get out of here. And peace. Yeah, peace. And so Scylla, Scylla Witch Mike drops out of the Necro Lab or the Necro Dungeon. Yeah. I yeah, wonder yeah. what Isadora kept in there before she, they kept... Scylla in there yeah for real like 
because they don't seem to have a lot of prisoners. So I wonder like what experiments were happening in that right dungeon. And was there a battle to make convert this into a cell with Isadora? They're like, Isadora, you got to move the experiment. She's like, but it's the only room with the spotlights. Like, where mm-hmm. else am I supposed to do this? And they have was to have constant sun lamps. Yeah, I was like some weird mushroom in the fake light experiment mm-hmm. that she was having. And they had to like off screen battle with Isadora. And I like get they're like, but we, we have a prisoner. Isadora. I love our off screen Isadora and her lab. There's Nick not enough Cannon. Isadora on screen. So yeah, we, we have to make it up. We gotta talk about what she's doing when she's not on camera. Yeah. Put some respect on Isadora. <sighs> so after Scylla which Mike drops on out of there as Anacostia, which would get her past any guard, because who's gonna question Anacostia? Yeah, the look on her <laughs> face was like, don't ever fucking talk to me. So yep. like, nobody's questioning her. At nobody's all. questioning her. She's gonna walk right off base. Yeah. And uh, I assume either walk or steal a car, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. She's going to do Scylla things to get the fuck She's out of there. She's going to do Scylla things oh, no. to get the hell out of there. Yeah. We know she can drive. We know that. Yeah. So maybe she steals a car. Maybe. I think she has like a stash, like a safe stash place where she has kept a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, she has to, like, stop by the Necro Lab real quick to, like, move that wall tile to get, like, that emergency bag with, like, See, I think it's in the and... woods. And that would make more sense. I don't know. But, yeah, or, she probably has something. Or, like, just with someone off base or something, you know, like, the only spree person that lives nearby. Because they want someone to keep a watch on the comings and goings, probably. Probably. Anyway, that's my head cannon. But, uh, yeah... I'm just kind of avoiding getting back to the big battle, I guess. I had cannoning Scylla. Fair. But yeah, here we go. Back to the mountains that we can't pronounce. And <laughs> they're called the T Mountains. It's the T Mountains. Oh, no, it's the the a, the alt- <laughs> See how to hear remember? The A Mountains. <laughs> the a- that doesn't sound any better, Theora. Oh, <laughs> I mean, nothing sounds as good as Avenue F, so. No. Not even these mountain names. Avenue A Mountains. Avenue A. Avenue Ass Mountains. I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, so, we see after they emerge from the cave, like the Turian boy comes and holds Rael's hand. So, obviously, he, she's made a buddy for life. And. Tally chuckles and is like, hi, to the little boy, because it's Tally. And Alder tells them that they should be proud of themselves and the work the work that you put in the last few days. When we get back, we'll have to discuss your future. So basically, Alder's going to let them go to war college. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. This was definitely a diversion for this mm-hmm. specific mission because Kalina yeah. forced her hand, basically. Probably. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, so Tally sees people outside waiting for them because she's Tally. So they exit the cave and they're being all cautious, unlike every other military operation once again. And Bridie points out that that storm is not our kind of work and it's not natural. So it's not their witch work but it's also not just a nature throwing up 
a storm. So Alders is like, Private Craven. <laughs> and then Tally says, well, they're all around us, but it's not the spree. They're not witches. And that is when we see Alder. Alder's face is like, the fuck? Is this what I think it is? Dun, dun, dun. And then they notice that the bats aren't ready to go. All the pilots are gone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But, of course, we get this really creepily altered deep voice that calls out, General Alder! And when they look up to the ridge, there are these men that have the pilots tied to wooden stakes with silencers on their mouths. And he says, we saved a place for you. And he points to an empty stake that they've made out of a tree. Like they've made all these makeshift stakes and they look super fresh. So like they've done this in the last couple of days, seems like. Yep. Just getting ready for them to, to show up. Or they did it for the Tarim when they captured them. Whatever. Yeah, could be. So Alder calls out, our ancient enemy has returned. The spree was trying to warn us. This is the Camarilla. Now you believe fucking finally. Jesus fucking finally. Okay. But before we go on, let's talk about the Camarilla real quick, about what they are. So Elliot talks about this in the Afterstorm about what they actually are. Because we saw a hint of this group in the torture museum that Scylla and Rhea were in when you pointed out the knife, Brie, and all that stuff. Yeah. So here's what they actually are. So it's a sect of ancient, okay, sect of witch hunters. Apparently they were funded and created by Henry VIII and Philip II. So like white guys in power Mm -hmm. funded this group of white guy witch hunters social commentary yes yeah Uh uh-huh and their whole goal of this group is just to eliminate witches from the world that's their whole goal so it's like the opposite of the spree who are trying to like eliminate humans yep quote unquote potentially and we talked about how alder has fought these people before this group and thought that she wiped them off the face of the earth and she was super sure about it but now here's the confirmation because they're burning them at the stake and it's clearly a bunch of white guys. And she's like, ah, fuck, that's what's happening here. And also mm-hmm. in the in the after the storm, Elliot confirms that the bellwether attack was caused by the Camarilla, not the spree. So remember all those spree discrepancies we talked about? Here you go. Here you go. It's all confirmed right here. And with the vocal cords... As you mentioned, Brie, that there's some like weird vocalizing going on, which if you listen with the subtitles, it says eerie vocalization because it fucking is. I actually typed that (laughs) eerie vocalization. Dude, it is. There is Mm -hmm. the perfect description. So he talks about how, you know, how we saw with uh, Isadora specimens and what happened at the Bellwether wedding that they were stealing vocal cords. And so apparently the Camry has always done this where they've removed vocal cords. And Elliot explains because the vocal cords are what make witches witches and that's what allows them to do all the magic or work that they can do. And so by removing that, it's an act of hatred to like rem- remove the thing that makes them a witch so mm-hmm. that they're nothing, right? So they've been doing that this whole time. But now, because of technology, I guess, that's some unexplained but apparently they figured out how to harness the vocal cords to use them against the witches 
And when Bridie says, hey, that work, it's not ours. It's like a very weird version of work. It's not from witches. Apparently the way they do the vocalizations to make the this bastardized work, as he describes it, apparently it's super offensive to witches. Yeah. Yeah. Because what they do is very natural and beautiful and they view this work as very ugly. So it's this very like hatred fueled experience for like everybody. And so that's what the Camarilla is. And that's kind of what's happening here. A lot of hate flying around. So much hate. Like from ancient kings. It's gross. Exactly. So uh, (laughs) the eerie vocalization behind them. Uh, is the Camarilla with their vocal cord modulators, as I've dubbed it. Yeah. Good description. Uh, So it's some twisted version of our work. And they run towards the bats, but the Camarilla have called up a dust storm with their twisted version of work. And so they can't see anything. Tally starts calling out the positions the Camarilla are attacking from. And Alder tells her to keep it up. So she she just stands there and keeps calling him out. And the witches fend the Camarilla off from all the angles that they're coming from. Until Alder says, fall back. Which, let me just tell you that this, like, first of all, badassery by Tally. And secondly, we see all our freaking unit really fighting in a real war situation besides the city drop crap. For the first time. And I'm like proud of our little babies. Especially Tally. Tally just like. Nobody told her what to do. She just started going. Did it. It's crazy cool. I love it. Like holy fuck. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Go baby Tally. Oh baby Tally. Also Uh, like Alder saying fall back. Is terrifying. Yeah it fucking is. I'm like whoa 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 wait a minute. Alder saying fall back. Right. It's fucking scary. (laughs) And then I get why she's like saying fall back. Because she's about to do something like fucking big witch energy big time. But. Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) This is some sexy work Alder. Woo. We get to see what Alder can do. Like her, um, Ooh, it's here. yours fanning herself, but you guys can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot in here, guys. Uh, so she tells him to fall back, and then she calls in this force of lightning, but it's like black lightning yes. in color. The tinge of it is black. Which is like even sexier than regular yes. lightning. I question, like, <laughs> is that on purpose or is that like the weird CGI stuff they do? I, I think tell. it's on purpose. Okay, that's what I was hoping. <laughs> to distinguish Alter- Alder's work from other witches. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So love because it. her work is like the, uh, she's got like that pure ancient power of weatherwork weatherwork literally so. that's what it is yeah exactly yeah so i think that's why her lightning which we don't ever really see any other witches wield lightning by itself no yeah i thought that was interesting too yeah we see tornadoes a lot correct lots of tornadoes other kinds of storms they've talked about like monsoons things like exactly. that exactly pure lightning fascinating so is is this is what that- she unleashed in the salem accord like this lightning yeah. storm like is black lightning? Her Ooh. lightning is like sh- her, were her family, the lightning people, the Zeus people. Oh my God, were they Thor? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Put a pin in that. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like that <laughs> Ooh, the Norse mythology yes no because I have to wonder because like you know when they were doing the pageant the the line was like oh they unleashed a storm like no one has ever seen uh-huh. before so imagine being in the 1600s and you're like the fuck is this black lightning exactly you know what I mean yeah oh I love that mm-hmm. so right back into put put a pin in that guys the, the yes. black lightning put a pin in that because so we, we know who all uses lightning. We sure do. Just looking, just looking at you guys to go go look that up. Uh, so, Rock. <laughs> uh, Thor. Thor. Yes. So, what? Who said that? I don't know. There are voices. Know. Get out there of here! Voices in the night. It was your dog. <laughs> it was my dog. I've been training her to talk. <laughs> They love the show. Yeah, they do. They do. Anybody missed that tweet? Mm-hmm. It was it was adorable. So the lightning hits the Camarilla, and most of their force is just knocked back. And I don't know, are they dead? Whatever. I don't they're know. Probably all I dead because dead. black lightning seems like it would kill you, right? <laughs> I don't think you're surviving black lightning. No. Um. Uh, they get uh, more Camarilla attacks, and the. Biddies screech a Camarilla soldier out of existence. Right? That was so badass. <laughs> I was like, oh damn, Biddies, remind me not to like win at chess with you. No, never. This is what happens when they lose. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody lets them win. <laughs> you lose a limb when you when you win against a biddy. But seriously, the power of the, seeing the biddies fight was Jeez, for me the coolest awesome. part. It was awesome. It was super I love awesome. Ugh, love the biddies. But unfortunately, one of the biddies gets hit with a blow dart. <sighs> grand, grand. And yeah, and develops the witch plague. Yeah. So you see that happen really quick. They hit yeah. Alder too, but I no, I don't think they hit Alder. They hit Grand Grand, and then Alder because she can feel what they're feeling. Oh, that's yeah. what happened. Okay, for some reason, yeah. I thought I saw somebody. Do another dart. No, no, no. Then then another biddy, the one with the scar on her face, gets attacked. Yeah, yeah just differently. Keep, like through the back. Yeah, it just cuts other. and then it cuts back to Alder and Alder's already grabbing her face. Okay, her, okay, her okay. Neck. I feel yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. So another biddy gets sliced in the back. Badass biddy. She is a badass biddy. Because yeah. she lives. This woman is badass. She lives. And then uh Alder is aging before our eyes. Like when, worse than at the Hague. Like worse than she's at the already Hague. like white hair. It's crazy fast. It's crazy fast. Yeah. Uh, and Tally rushes in and and kneels <sighs> down next to her, and and is like, "Take me." And I'm like, "Tally, no." Tally. Okay. No, Tally. Okay. I didn't know this until I watched the After the Storm, but apparently Elliot told Jess in the when they were filming the pilot. That this was gonna happen to Tally. You oh, did. <laughs> Why? And she's like, uh, it's not gonna be forever, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what a thing to learn about your character uh-huh. immediately. Yep. Oh man, that's Tally for you. That is Tally. Self-sacrificing. She and Rail are well, all of them are, but um But I mean Tally just again wants to do what's right, you know. Mm-hmm. So Tally puts her hand on Alder and then she looks back and nods to the other biddies and they vocalize as everyone watches. Tally is biddified and Alder returns to youth. What? How are they biddifying out in the freaking middle of a battle? There's that. 
How did Tally know the process? They didn't yeah. watch Devin turn into a bitty. No. How did Tally know this? Oh, wait. Maybe it's say it in Reverie. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably in Reverie or some class that they took. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, okay. So it's like one of those magazines that has like, well, how to become a bitty. And it like has the steps. <laughs> it's like. But seriously, uh, like, Tally knew. She did exactly what Devin did in mm-hmm. Life of a Bitty. Put her hand on Alder and then got bitified. There was no talking. Like, Tally knew. She even took her hand off of Alder at the exact point where Devin took her hand off of Alder. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was crazy. Like, I don't know. That was nuts. Tally just knew. Yeah. No, Tally Tally has been, like, studying Alder for the entirety of her life. Yeah. This bitch knows how a bitty gets made. So, after Tally is bitified, uh, Alder says, thank you, daughter. And now we're all crying. Now we're all crying. And Tally says, it's my honor, but in her bitty voice. And Cause call back to the freaking bitty museum when yep. Tally was like, I could never be that strong. Yeah. Well, and you are Tally. Fucking foreshadowing of the fact that Tally is a lot stronger than people think she is. Mm-hmm. Here's the proof. <sighs> Well, yeah. the unit comes for comes and they get Tally up and they take her towards the bat because now she's old and frail. Right. So <laughs> she, she can't run. she can't walk on her own. And she says she says to to them, "I didn't know what else to do." Uh. Ah! <laughs> Stab me some more, please, uh, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Hate you, but love I you. I know. And uh, or. Rail says you did good, Tal. She did. Literally did good. Uh, also, I love how nobody else helps the other biddies. I know. <laughs> like, the other biddies yeah, are old. Just, they're just they're old hat at being biddies. They Yeah, they're like, we're used to our biddy legs, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Tally, on the other hand, is not used to having old limbs. Legs. Yeah, it's like learning yeah. how to walk, I'm sure, all over again. <laughs> I'm sure it like, is. Your gait's different. Yeah. hmm Anyway. Um they Ooh. get they get back to the bat. And unfortunately for everyone, the like throwback to when Adil told Abigail that the bats are scary to the Tareem because they hear the helicopters and then death and destruction follow them. So the little boy, not only has he has he never had a good experience with a helicopter, he's also a little boy and is scared in general. So he jumps off the bat and starts running away. And Rael, being his new BFF, jumps off after him. And then Abigail's like, uh, the fuck? I can't leave you out there alone and jumps off. Well, Tally can't because she's bitified and she doesn't know how to walk. She can't jump with those legs. (laughs) No, (laughs) she can't. (laughs) Um, It's so true. So Bridie's like, uh, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> no, we about to die. We gotta go. <laughs> we about to die. We gotta go. So Rail's over there trying to comfort the little boy, and she gives uh, Rail. Rail. <laughs> also, I hate this because we don't really get to see what this battle charm can do because people keep taking it off. It's exactly <laughs> exactly it. She gives the little boy her bowerbird charm and tells Abigail to take him. So Abigail grabs the little boy. Runs off back to the bat and Rail's bringing up the rear like she's got all the time in the world. She gets her scourge and she's, I guess she's like trying to guard their back or whatever. 
the wrong way, Rael. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing, girl? Gotta back up. She's been the so back. great uh, battle wise up until this point. I'm sorry. Did the battle charm give you brain cells for fighting? Yeah, what happened? Did it? So did it? that's where Willow put all of her brain cells. She's like, Apparently. I'm going to give you all my fighting brain cells, Braille. I hope yeah. this serves you well. Don't take it off. Don't take it off. Oh, shit. <laughs> you pulled at me. Uh, so we see Abigail put the boy in the bat. And then we hear Tally scream Braille's name. Because she sees everything. Because she sees everything. And a Camarilla scythe appears through Raelle's chest. Ugh. As she looks back towards the bat. So she's facing the wrong way. <laughs> back up towards the bat stab stabbed through the back and now i'm really crying and now we're really like the fuck dog like the first time i watched this i was like no right? it does not end like this i'm like of course she was gonna get die she mm -hmm. she's the lesbian of course she's gonna die she's the gay one but it's, it's elliot it's never that simple nope it's nope. it's never that simple never. never that simple it's never that never simple, that simple. <laughs> well um abigail's not having that no at all so oh my god <laughs> she wind strikes that bastard and oh with all of her fury the way she like all of her fucking it? fury it's crazy good it is crazy good uh so and she runs up to rail and she takes her hand and she's trying to heal her and remember abigail's abigail's a blaster her big power isn't healing so she can't heal rael it's i mean the dude stabbed her through the heart yeah i mean i was trying to figure that out from where he yeah. stabbed her it's either through the heart or very very close very, very to close. it yeah. i mean he definitely uh because like the like heart right here yeah no i think it is the heart because the heart's more on your right side and he stabbed her more on the yeah. right side so yeah and then it's it's like oh my god that's how libba died yeah. <laughs> elliot. Yep. elliot jesus christ is torturing i know just Again, Rael is the number one person he loves torturing on the show. Yes, Here's your proof. She really is. Oh my god, that hurts the symbolism. Yeah. God damn it. So um the yeah, Abigail's trying to link. And Rael Abigail trying to links stop her. with her and Rael's trying to stop her and says, is like, let me go. And she's screaming I that she can't move Rael. Yeah. So and Rael's like, you gotta break the link or I'm gonna take you with me. And then the Camarilla throws some kind of weird boomerang bomb that they haven't used up till now oh, at the, the helicopter. That? The Where the fuck that? did that come what from? What the fuck was that? It's like what a bomb fuck? and a boomerang. I don't yeah. know. It wasn't like a, um, what the fuck? You, why not blow up those bats earlier? Where was this technology? What we don't hell? even have new TVs. We have like 1960s televisions yes. and we're throwing boomerang bombs. Right. How? Anyway, how does okay. the Camarilla have all the technology? That's I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. They definitely have money because they've been funded by literal mm -hmm. kings since the beginning. But like the technology gaps in this show is wild. Yeah. So wild. Yes. So wild. <sighs> so Bridie, once again, is like, hey, uh, we need to go. And She's Alder says, <laughs> yeah, She's the best shoulder I've seen. Yes. And Alder's like, okay, go, go, go. And so they lift into the air and Biddy Tally screams and sobs. Uh, yes. 
We see okay. Rael and Abigail holding hands and there's this like beautiful shot of them from above and they're facing each other as they're laying on the ground in this like super similar position. Rael's wow. other hand is on her wound and we are in lesbian Jesus light. We really are. So point that mm-hmm. out. Healing scene. Oh, and then the super duper cute part, cute sad part, is when we get close. We get a close shot of them, and Rael says, "You always got to be the the hero, huh, Bellwether?" And Abigail's reply to that is, "I love you, shitbird," and I die. <laughs> it's the third shitbird. I love them so much. Oh. Yeah, but again, it like again it goes the third to the girl. Growth- take a drink, hydrate yourself for lesbian Jesus. Yes, hydrate yourself. She's in the fucking light. Take like five drinks. But it just goes. It goes to show you again, Abigail, being able to really care about other people. Yeah, Fuck and Rael too, because Rael. Yeah. We first got Rael. She was very closed off to people. Yeah. And so this is a big deal for Rael too to like make a connection like that. So not only did Rael bring the good and Scylla out, Scylla brought the uh, openness and the huge heart that Rael has out. Yeah, and so that Rael was able to connect with other people. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a byproduct of Scylla coming into her life. Mm -hmm. So they all had this kind of positive effect on each other. And I just want to go back real quick. I know it hurts, but to Tally's scream. Because Why Jess you hate ta- me? Jess talks about it, and I think it's important. Because, again, I think it's important that this scream, because Tally's having this realization in that moment that she no longer is a part of her unit anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that I, She, again, when Alder was dying, she was just like, save Alder. But Tally didn't realize the consequ- consequences of what that really means. Her new unit is Alder and the Biddies. Mm-hmm. And and up till this point, she was very much with Abigail and Rael, and they were all on the same page that, like, we go into death each o- with each other. Like, we are there for each other. And she can't do that anymore. So Tally lost her unit, and she can't go where they go anymore. And it's very sad. And that, So that's part of what that scream really is mm-hmm. for Tally, that that realization of her new reality. It's very sad. but Lots of different yeah. angles to that whole experience for Tally. Totally. And for Abigail, like, she didn't have to do that, like, go after Rael mm-hmm. like that in that mm-hmm. desperate situation, but she did. And even when Rael's like, hey, I'm going to kill you if you stay linked with me, Abigail's like, no, like, I- I'm ride or die. Like, we are ride or die. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. It's just, it's very powerful for all of them, like, what's yes, happening in that very. scene. Love it. Uh, after their little, oh, I love you, shit bird. I want that on a piece of merch. Uh, <laughs> We get we an even tighter <laughs> we get an even tighter shot of their hands clasped together and a white light is inside of their hands and a dark mist mm-hmm. which kind of looks like spores. I like which plague. I don't know. What? Oh, which plague spores. Um so mm-hmm. we get this shot from a from above the bat and it shows this huge explosion of black misty poor looking stuff. Yep. Uh, it shakes the bat, and everybody is like holding on for their dear life. But once they clear that settling black mist cloud, the helicopter gets steady again. And then we, they take off and go away, and we get this 
shot of their their linked hands with the black specks floating and then go back to Tally. And Tally's like, what was that? And Alder's like, I have no idea. And then they yeah. fly into the Jesus light. So, Alder, who's seen literally everything. <laughs> Alder, is who's like, seen everything the witch world has to offer, does yeah, not know what does it not is. Know. I love that. It's just mm-hmm. like a, ooh. It's a new thing in the world. Yep. So uh, on the ground, you see blankets of mushrooms form. And you got all these bl- the black spory things floating around. And then we see Abigail and Rael, who are walking in the cloud of black spore mist, dirty, holding hands, but they are alive. And as they walk, the mushroom blanket forms behind them. I wish you could all see the hand gestures that made this more dramatic. From Yes, Brandon. it's <laughs> so dramatic. We're both hand gesturing over know, here. <laughs> I don't know why yes. we're Vanna Whiting this. Because this <laughs> is so huge. It's so huge. That's why. Can we talk about this a little bit? Always. Alrighty. So, what the fuck is happening? So, Elliot kind of talks about it a little bit in After the Storm, so it's not really a spoiler because he spoiled it. But basically, remember... When Rael was in the Necrolab and Isadora was missing for some reason and she went and talked to the mycelium and like touched it, apparently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they exchanged DNA. Yeah, yeah. So they have an eternal link that happened here. So that's why we're seeing all this mushroom stuff. And I love this because it means they're not dead, first of all. But second of all, because it's very much like the life and death thing. So you have the white from the mycelium because that's its main color. And then you have the black spores. So if we do like a color theory thing, the black is like death, right? Because mushrooms occupy the underworld, thanks to our little necrocilla telling us that. And so you have this rebirthing thing happen because you have um, the spores. So a spore in a mushroom context is basically the seed of new life. And so you have these new life seeds. And then you're seeing evidence of that by these new mushrooms sprouting, like a sea of mushrooms along the ground. We have that aerial shot. But also a rebirth thing is you have a- um, Abigail and Rail, who were literally on the brink of death, who are now very mm-hmm. much alive, surrounded by the life and death, white and black of the mushroom. So it's that whole rebirth, birth of a new era, life and death kind of circle of life thing manifesting in this like big mushroom explosion thing. So it's super cool and super symbolic. And like Elliot's been planting seeds for this thing literally the whole season so it's so cool the way he like led up to this i love it mm-hmm. very cool very, very cool. cool and we're gonna very- find out more about all of this in the next season oh yes very much but like that's the power of life and death again they create mm-hmm. like a new birth kind of thing that's the symbolism here as a result we get as a result we get psychedelic mushrooms there were so many kinds of mushrooms, mm-hmm. like all colors. It was wild. It was wild. So many mushrooms. Yes. And last, I just want to make one last comment on that whole battle. There's a scene where Alder literally splits a dude in half. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, like after I think it was she a, gets healed after she's, b- yeah. Yeah. I think it was well, thund- with Thunder, too. Thunder, yeah. Like yeah. She, after she is, after Tally gets bitified and she's healed, Alder is, is young again. Yeah. The, the one Camarilla guy runs at her and she like splits that mother cracker in half. Like, oh literally. my God. It was amazing. It was. Ooh. You just see him go in two directions. Yeah. But to see Alder like purely in action was so bad. Oh. This whole scene. 
I know it's hot in here for you too. Huh? <laughs> it's so good. <sighs> I love it. That's one of my favorite parts of the battle. It's just warrior Alder, women, man. Seeing Alder go out Wonder Woman on these people is just you only see her in her office all the yes! time or walking exactly. around being the general. And now we get to see her do what she does best because yeah. I mean oh, that love that stuff's all great too, but this was I, I love mean, it and you're like, us. I get it. She's badass. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. Any other comments on the big battle? No, I have a huge uh, I'm curious to see if we both pick up the same thing in this next scene. So we shall see. We shall see. Alrighty. So we leave this big epic mushroom battle and go to Sella, who's very suspiciously walking down the street. <laughs> suburban suburban America, just a girl walking down the street with her hand in her pocket. Yeah, who's like looking over her shoulder every five seconds. <laughs> and Sella's in civilian clothes. There is the hand in the pocket sighting, as you just said. And her outfit is just the gayest, and I love it. So I have to comment on the outfit. She's wearing this very oversized green jacket with the mm-hmm. sleeves cuffed, a yellow shirt, with like a white undershirt and then the jeans that are also cuffed because big by energy Scylla just has to. Such can't help big by energy and oh Yes. And she has a little shell necklace. So there's a lot going on with her clothes. And so I think the colors are pretty significant with what she's wearing. So she's wearing blue jeans, which is like her color. She's wearing yellow shirt, which is Rail's color and also... Yellow also means like hope and optimism. So I think Scylla's like, hey, I'm free. This is a good thing. So I think she's in an optimistic state of mind. And then the jacket's green, which is a combination of blue and yellow, which is like the rail Scylla color. So I think all of her colors are pretty significant. And then the shell, again, is back to that whole last time I felt safe is when I was at the beach. So I think Scylla feels good about where she's at right now since like Anacostia let her go. And she's walking along the street and stops in front of a particular house and approaches somebody sitting on the porch and recites that spree phrase, the way over is under. And the woman on the porch is like eyeing her for a hot second. And then she's like, the way out is in. All right, cool, girl. This is a spree safe house. Come on. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Then as Scylla's walking in the house, this jogger passes by. <laughs> And stops very suspiciously in front of the house and is like heaving and breathing like she's just run a marathon. And it's Mama Kasia, who lingers for a very long time in front of this house. And so you're like, all right, we get it. Mama Kasia lets Scylla go because she's commented before, hey, maybe we could use her for spree intel. And that's kind of what Mama Kasia is doing. She tailed her to the spree house and she's like, cool. Now I have something to watch for next season. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening there. Scylla then walks into the house and if you read it, if you watch it with the subtitles, it says country music's playing. So where does country music normally play in the South and the session? Exactly. So, all right. Clue number one. Then she walks through the house and there's like, you get the sense that this is a safe house. There's like a couple of random guys just kind of like hanging out in chairs, reading books. There's some dude playing with a tiny umbrella. Like, the like tiny a drink umbrella. Dr- yeah. What the fuck was he doing? That he was so creepy. He real creepily too. Yo, it's so creepy. <laughs> why is, why was he doing that? It was so creepy. He's like the one creeper in the spree safe house. He is. Why do men keep acting creepy around Scylla is my question. But whatever. She's freaking Scylla. 
Yeah. I guess she attracts creepy men. Sure. I guess, no, she attracts everyone, <laughs> including the creepy men. Yeah, but it was weird. He was already in the house, though. He didn't know she was going to be there. Yeah. But that was weird. So, like, spree safe house. There's people just chilling, and there's a guard at the door. Eventually, Scylla gets to the kitchen area, and she pauses before going inside. Like, she knows who's going to be on the other side. It's kind of, like, collecting herself before she goes in there. And she looks, like, kind of nervous. And mm-hmm. then walks through the door and there's a woman in there sauteing like five million kinds of mushrooms and Scylla like hones in on the mushrooms like cool weird and then the woman just asks her without looking so how'd you get out and Scylla tells this woman like well Anacostia helped me and the woman's like well good work indicating that they know each other this woman knew Scylla's mission and it's like, great, you're back. I wasn't going to save you, but you got back here. Fantastic. Do you want some food? Because I'm making a bunch of mushrooms. I know how much everybody loves mushrooms. And Scylla's like, yeah, because she's starving and clearly has been eating glass for like a month. So she's <laughs> legitimately glass hungry. Salami. <laughs> yeah, she's been eating glass. So she's like, obviously, I'm hungry. I've been tortured for like God knows how long. And the woman finally turns around. And it's Willa, Big Witch Energy Caller, who's just mm-hmm. chilling in the kitchen. And it's like, cool, little minion of mine. You were supposed to bring me my daughter. What the fuck? And Scylla's face journey <laughs> is just like, what? She's clearly like, wait a minute. Hold on now. Hold on. You obviously <laughs> sent me on this mission to get Rael. Whom I got via unconventional methods and fell in love with her in the meantime. And you're telling me this is your daughter. Great. Like, oh, fuck. Like, her face is just like, oh, fuck. For so yeah. many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. One, like, one, there's the what did you see component. Right? Two, there's the that two I don't, white mirror. <laughs> I don't have your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so I failed. And like fuck i fell in love with my boss's daughter yeah and then the show rudely ends with that fucking witch bomb of great silica uh, willa collar was alive this whole fucking time yep so willa collar was alive the whole time the whole time pulling Scylla strings was doing her daughter and <laughs> Not completing her mission of Not getting Willa her daughter. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have, I have, I have a little something to add. Because you Please mentioned do. the country music. Well, my crazy ass went and looked up the song. Nice. What was it? So it's Gone to Stay by Freakwater. Um, it came out in 1995 because I was like, this sounds like some classic country stuff. So that's what made me look it up. So it's from 1995. Wait, wait. Class- so, so that's a key that it's at least 1995 in this world. Exactly. So there's nice. that. Nice. But I looked up the lyrics, which are super interesting. Oh, please share. So uh, Jesus wouldn't save you. And you cried. Oh, no. I knew I couldn't save you. So I lied. Oh, no. The doctors couldn't save you, but I do believe they tried. After dying together, we die alone, side by side. Stop it. Why would you say this? Why would you hurt me so, Brie? <laughs> There's nothing so pure as the kindness of an atheist, a simple act of unselfishness that never has to be repaid. 
and there's nothing so sure as a razor blade above your wrist when you think you just can't stand it. You're going to leave you empty-handed. Do you still dream of being saved? Stop it. Yeah. That is so Sola's journey. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? <sighs> uh, God damn it, Elliot, you motherfucker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Just to so that's a bunch of foreshadowing for season two right there. Yep. You haven't seen that. <laughs> God damn it. I was so glad that I decided to look that up after I read the lyrics. No, that's so good. God damn it. I couldn't quite tell what they were saying when you were hearing the music because it was faint. I couldn't tell the song either because it was faint. I'm very glad you looked that up. That is wild foreshadowing because like when elliot's talking in the after the storm about this episode he clearly already like wrote season two and he's like hey this is gonna start happening and it's like bitch we have the finale so yeah i think that's a bunch of foreshadowing because that's Scylla's journey with rail basically mm-hmm. god damn it that was good yep. yet another witch bomb yet another witch bomb There's also so many witch bombs <laughs> so many so many also keep in keep the mushroom cooking the mushrooms thing. Oh Put a God. pin in that. Put a pin in all the willow collar stuff. I will get to that when we get mm-hmm. to season two. Listen, you guys say. don't even know what's in store for you when we get to season two no, and no. Theora goes the no. heck off about Willow Collar. I have so many feelings about Willow Collar. She's one of my favorite characters in the whole show. <sighs> I love her face when she turns around and, and when she says, You were supposed to bring me my daughter. Same. And yeah, then Scylla's face. Good Lord. The amount, the micro expressions on that one. That whole scene killed me when I watched it for the first time. I, I know. Just, I cackled for like 10 minutes because I was like, of course, son of a bitch. <laughs> the Whoa. first time I watched it, Why? I literally stood up and then walked around my house going, of course you did. Yeah. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. Exactly. And apparently Taylor talked about this. And when she found out, she was like, I knew it. (laughs) Exactly. Because they'd been like kind of wondering or she had. I'm telling you, all the magical letters that ended up with Raelle Mm -hmm. were a little too convenient with the content that only Willa Collard knew what was in them and the timing that she received them. Yep. She fucking planned that shit the whole time. So call back to the pilot. Call back to the pilot. Those weird letters she got. Yeah, I remember when Theora said put a pin in that. Yeah. Willa fucking sent those letters to Rail, not Papa Collar, whom she just fucking saw. Dun dun dun. Yeah, she was trying to get Rail in the army the whole fucking time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, back call back to like Rail saying, Why does the spree want me? Your mama wants you out of the fucking army. Mm-hmm. That's why the spree wants you, dear. But here's here's my next question. How the actual heck did Willa think she was going to send Scylla in there? Dude, it's more evidence that everyone in the spree is a bad spy. Good That's Lord. what this is, including Willa. <laughs> that was the worst spy move ever, was sending Scylla. Like, do you even know your daughter? No, she does. That's why it was a kind of a good spy move, but also a really bad spy so move I that think backfired. The problem was she didn't know Scylla that well. Yeah. Again, it's just more proof they're bad spies, mm-hmm. even the leaders of the spree. So, huh, I guess we should summarize this one. Let us recap. Would you like to start? Yes. So the unit 
doesn't get into war college because Alder's pissed about the coup and she has other plans. Uh, they're assigned to the Tarim rescue mission on Kalita's insistence to the chagrin of Alder. Meanwhile, Syl is finding out that she and Anacostia have a lot in common and Alder tries to explain her decisions on City Drop and the civilian deaths to the unit, again, much to her chagrin. <laughs> they find the Tareem people, and when they try to leave, the Camarilla are ready for them, and an epic showdown ensues. Abidi dies in the fight because they're using Witch Plague blow darts. Oh, why didn't they use them more? That's my other question. <sighs> Did they only bring one to the fight? Like, yeah, they what brought the fuck? one one blow dart to the fight, and um, Tally steps up to be bitified. Uh, Rael tries to get the little boy back in the helicopter, but one last Camarilla attacks, and she and Abigail are left behind. Rael is a mortal lesbian, Jesus, because she Ooh. and Abigail come back to life and spill mushrooms all over everything. Yep. And lastly, Scylla's boss is Rael's mom, Shockface. Who was trying to get Scylla to bring her daughter to her the whole time? And that's that's the whole episode. That's guys. the whole episode. That's it. Well, nothing done. happened at all, right? No, nothing. I'm not. I'm not shook at all. But not this. shook or triggered or all of the above, dude. This episode is so triggering. And then it's like, cool. You gotta wait till season two. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, because I watched this when it first came out, so I was literally like, fuck you. Yeah, literally. What do I do now with these feelings, Elliot? I have nowhere to put these feelings. Nowhere. Yeah. If we had the podcast, we could scream about it, but we didn't Mm -hmm. have that yet. No, we didn't have it. We hadn't met. No. Damn it, Elliot. We have so much beef with you, sir. I know. Also, we love you. Exactly. Yeah. So if we didn't love you and the show, Ooh. we wouldn't have beef. It's just the way. I, I, I mean, it's a very upsetting ending to just like have to wait to see mm-hmm. what happens next. But also, you have to give him all the awards for the way he set this up because, oh, like, for sure, there were hints to all of this the whole fucking time. It's amazing. It's a windy road it. that he went that he wove. <sighs> yeah, like he. He knew what was gonna happen. Like it clearly wasn't the, one of those shows where he's like, they're like making it up as they go along. Like he was like, no, there's an end goal for all of these characters, and this is the end goal. So let's get them there when they wrote it. And it just it shows it was so well mm-hmm. thought out. And that's one of the things personally I love most about the show. Like so yeah, per- like yeah, he has that main backbone of this is where the characters are going and everything, yeah. and they they just fill in the blanks in a way. Yeah, because like he knew from the pilot, Tally was going to be a bitty. Like when they didn't even write the whole season mm-hmm. yet. Like he's like, this is where this character's headed. Let's get him there. Like it's just, and it shows in, in, in everything that like they were setting this all up for this big, long kind of story. And it's just, it's so awesome. And it's, I just have to keep saying it because it's so unique. It, this isn't something that happens with television shows that aren't based on a book series where it's all already laid out for you. Like it's incredible. I, I do like that they didn't know that they were going to do the Willow Collar thing right at the beginning that kind of was like a oh hey well we could do this and then yeah and now i'm mad and now well I'm not mad because i love willa oh <sighs> anyway, anyway who's your big witch energy award going to <sighs> i wonder if tally. we're gonna be the same tally 
Allie. Yes. Allie, baby. We're the same again. Woo! I mean, come on now. She fucking bitch herself. not give it to Tally? The whole episode. Like, most of Tally's scenes were all, like, big witch energy scenes, mm-hmm. except, like, when they found out they got into, they didn't get into war college. Right. Because Tally just, the whole time, like, dishes, it, dishes her feelings. She's very, like, honest and confident about how she feels mm-hmm. and how this is wrong and, like, confronts Alder on multiple occasions which i don't think is a position alders normally in especially mm-hmm. obviously with a cadet but with like exactly. people in general you know people don't like go toe to toe with her no like we saw in past episodes like not even anacostia her number two does this like anacostia mm-hmm. you saw her being very reserved when she got like teetered along the precipice of pushing alder but tally's just like no and just does it because you know it's tally she just when she has a backbone she's got all the big witch energy in the world and she, she speaks to Alder like they're equals. Yes. No, she really does before they're even linked through the bitty thing, which mm-hmm. I think is very significant for Tally. And then when it came down to the wire, when it came down to the greater good in Ali- Tally's eyes, when it came to saving Alder, Tally did it without hesitation. Yep. And that's the biggest witch energy move ever. Plus really. her sight, her her sight ability in this, the, her knower abilities in this whole episode. It literally saved their asses. asses. Yes, literally <laughs> she <saved> everyone. <laughs> everyone. I'm honestly surprised, though. The one thing that surprised me a little bit with her seeing or knowing is that she didn't see the Tareem behind the stone. Like, I'm kind of surprised. Like, you know, when they were in the cave, mm-hmm. like I'm a little surprised she's not like, "Hey, somebody else is here." Maybe you that know? work was a little too. Yeah, maybe outside her like abilities at this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the one thing that surprised me about Tally. But Tally just literally saw the witch from 100 mm-hmm. miles away when they thought it was a tree saw the camarilla since they landed like tally has so much big witch energy and she's one of those characters like Scylla where you underestimate her but she really can deliver at the end of the day so yeah at tally the end of the day she's the one that saves everyone's ass yeah and there's so many honestly there's so many runner-ups in this episode like put a pin in that whole Scylla yeah. and tally saving everyone's ass yeah seriously but um, honestly, there's a lot of runners up in this episode. I feel like everybody had a lot of big witch energy, but like Tally had the, the most in this episode. In this episode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we agree. Tally is just a badass in this episode. She really is. Freaking hey. She has yeah. those episodes where you just kind of are like, oh, Tally's being Tally. And then Tally gets, pulls it out and is just yeah. the best, the strongest yeah, it's kind of like business tally. Like the whole time mm-hmm. she's just business. Like she puts her shit aside as much as she can. She's still emotional because it's tally, but like she is and business she just, tally. You're right. It's business tally. She gets shit done. Like at the end of the day, she's like, mm-hmm. hey, people are coming left, right? Like she just, nobody tells tally what to do. She just, she goes into this just like, let's get it done mode. Almost. You can see that in the facial expression that Jess uses. It's just yeah. like focused. Yes. Yeah, that's it. It's like this hyper focus of like, we're in this. Let's do it. And I love, I love the, the, that face when she's concentrating so hard. Yes. It's like she's not looking at anything because she's looking at everything. Yes. That's <laughs> so true. It's so true. Yeah. So Tally Craven, baby. Big Witch Energy Award. Mm, I love some Tally. Da-da-da. Thanks so. for sticking with us. Yeah. Thanks for making it literally all the way through season one with us. It's been quite a journey. And I hope uh, hope you guys learned a little bit, like gained a new perspective about season one. I know I did. We've talked about this a little bit, particularly with Abigail. It was kind of the big one for me. Yeah. 
Same. But there's just so much going on in these show in these episodes. So hopefully this was helpful in a way. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything we missed before we like go off into like our season one recap slash spec and all kinds of stuff, like let us know if there's something we missed that you want us to talk about or comment on more for season one. Like let, let us know, know before we get into the episode. Yeah. Cool. That's all I got to say. You got anything? Me too. No, I'm good. All right, guys. Well, until next time. Until next time. We'll see you later. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. Uh, Please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes. And please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus. <laughs>